Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, and we definitely want to interact with you, so make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on the social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page, along with the T Public Store link, the Patreon link. Shout out to all our amazing patrons. One tier, $2 a month, and a whole lot of content on the way. And especially this week, we're mailing out those Parlay Club coasters. Can't wait to get them into everybody's hands there. The Parlay Points blog section, classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter. A lot of stuff going on there, too. The directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 118,000. Sounds about right to me, and I am not going to fact check that because I fully trust Pad's math on that one. So for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media, use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off the sports edition of the show, we have to recap one of the more peculiar weeks of NFL action. Mm Mm-hmm. I have to say, when we were looking at it going into the week, we thought, well, some things would be pretty routine. Didn't really see a lot of weird things happening. But this week nine of the NFL definitely threw some curveballs, mm-hmm. definitely made some headlines. So what we are going to do is recap the week that was kicking off with our locks and leaps. So, Pad, take it away. Yeah, so we're going to start with one of my locks. Uh, we Fun fact, we both had the same locks and leaps this week. Uh, yeah, ironically. So, so one of them was the Baltimore Ravens to beat the New Orleans Saints, which they did by the final score of 27 to 13. Lamar Jackson, 12 of 22 for 133 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Andy Dalton, 19 of 29 for 210 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Alvin Kamara, your leading rusher for New Orleans with nine carries, 30 yards, no touchdowns. Kenyon Drake, your leading rusher for Baltimore, 24 yards, 90, 24 carries, excuse me, 93 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Uh, also of note, Lamar Jackson had 11 carries for 82 yards rushing. Uh, and then Isaiah uh, Likely, your leading rusher, your leading receiver, excuse me, for Baltimore, one catch, 24 yards, uh, one touchdown. Uh, and then Chris Olave, your leading receiver for New Orleans, with six catches, 71 yards, no touchdowns. Can we just say Lamar Jackson betting on himself might be the headline of the year? It's the NFL version of Aaron Judge. That's for damn sure. You have to talk about it in considering the NFL, and obviously that's why I say the headline of the year for the NFL. Because he is proving without a shadow of the doubt, if you bet on yourself, you're not going to lose. Usually. He's, usually he is, that's what I say, usually with that statement. But he has proven that fact right because he has really stepped his game up. Mm-hmm. This was not an easy contest because New Orleans at home, and it doesn't really matter how bad New Orleans is. Mm-hmm. Primetime lights, Monday night in New Orleans, you usually don't come out with the W. No. Usually. No. But the Ravens jumped out early. They never let up. And they definitely were playing like a playoff-worthy team. Mm-hmm. That I think a lot of times they get lost in the shuffle a lot because they're not super flashy. I mean, Lamar Jackson's been playing so high. Right. But everybody else is kind of really 
I don't want to say lurking in the shadows, so to speak, but mm-hmm. they're 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 not in the spotlight like in comparison. Yeah, I mean Lamar Jackson playing out of his mind this year uh, in terms of passing yards. He has one thousand seven hundred and sixty eight yards passing, good for eighteenth in the NFL. Uh, Sixteen touchdowns, good for fourth in the NFL, and then six interceptions, which is tied for eighteenth in the NFL. And then he's got a QBR of sixty four point three. I even went ahead and pulled up the rushing yards, uh, and this is for the entire NFL. Uh, currently he is sitting at eighth in the NFL in rushing with 635 yards rushing, uh, and five rushing touchdowns. Uh, you know, the next closest quarterback to come near him is Justin Fields at 11th, who has 602 yards rushing. A lot of that was this past weekend, but that's a whole different ball of wax right there. But it goes back to how Lamar has really stepped his game up. And like I say, his team really doesn't get a lot of the headlines. That's why I say they kind of lurk in the quiet there. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not making a lot of flashy moves. They're going out there and they're balling. Yeah. And, and that's what is typical Baltimore Ravens football. The defense has been playing solid. They're not lights out like in years past. Right. But they are really relying on a run-heavy offense. The, the passing yards, yeah, no wide receiver caught more than 50 yards. Mm-hmm. But you know what? They didn't need to. Well, and, the, and this was a great performance for Lamar, especially. And, and I got to admit, I was nervous about this, you know, Monday morning or Monday afternoon when I, when they were previewing the game on ESPN and they and they flashed up the injury report for Baltimore. And Baltimore had like five or six guys on the injury report, including Mark Andrews, who was out, who was already out for the game, you know, mm-hmm. mo- Monday afternoon. Yeah. And then you had the news the day prior where it was Rashad uh, Bateman being placed on injured reserve and having foot surgery, so he's done for the year. So I'm looking at this going, shit, I might have picked the wrong game this week, but then Lamar's like, don't worry, I got this. Yeah, no, I I have full confidence in thinking that they're going to win most games moving down the stretch. He is just playing that focused and playing that smart too. That with a Ravens team that is not anything really – to be scared about on paper? No, you, I mean, you look at it, the running game is pretty much Lamar Jackson and Kenyon Drake, which, you know. And, and, and Kenyon Drake is streaky, too. Oh, he I is. I mean, he's not that reliable in, to be consistent. Like, he, no. like he'll have flashes of greatness, don't get me wrong. But in my opinion, I don't think that he's a, t- he's a top-tier back. No, I mean, he, for the season, he's got 73 attempts, 344 yards, and then three touchdowns. He's averaging 4.7 yards a carry. Yeah, so if they can maintain this, they're going to play real gritty football, and mm-hmm. that and that wins games. I mean, and that's all they need to do. They're not going to go out there and drop forty five on you usually, but they'll right. win, they'll win enough. They have the best kicker in the game too. Yeah, they do. So unless Jim Nance says something about it and then he misses, yeah, which is a rarity. But you know, like when you have all this surrounding your team, they're going to be ones that when they get in the playoffs, yeah, they're going to be scary. Oh, they are because you got Lamar, who's you know the dual threat. You got the running game, which is which ain't bad. And then in the receiving core, you know, they got they added Deshaun Jackson, but like one catch, 16 yards, no touchdowns. It's not the Deshaun Jackson of old. No. You know, and then Mark Andrews, what's going to be his status going forward? Obviously, Mark Andrews, one of the unsung tight ends in the in the league oh, right, absolutely. right he, now. Like I say, lurking in the shadows there. You know, so he's he's obviously an X factor you got to factor in for. But like you like you said, you look at the team on paper and you go, okay, they should be good. But like you're not expecting fireworks. No, you're not. And those, these are the teams that really sneak in and really make some noise when you're not expecting it. I know there's so much hype with the Buffalo Bills and the, right. and the Kansas City Chiefs and even the L.A. Chargers to a degree, but Baltimore has never been that team, and I don't think they want to be that team. And this goes to show about what they can do when they really implement their will. Like We always kind of talk about that more for the UFC and boxing, but it's true in football. Mm-hmm. They came out, immediately punched New Orleans in the mouth, and New Orleans did not have a response to it. 
Andy Dalton, who has a special place in my heart for getting the Buffalo Bills to the playoffs a few years ago when he was with Cincinnati, mm-hmm. did not have a bad game, but he didn't have no. a great game. I mean, 19 for 29 for 210 and a touchdown is not anything to really sneeze about. He, he's a guy that, like, he's not the guy to get you over the hump, but, like, if he's a guy to, you know, get you over the bridge to your not your future quarterback. Yeah, so and New Orleans is rebuilding. We all know this. Oh, yeah. I think anybody that's really expecting to make a deep run this season. No. It's just not going to happen. I mean, they just got a lot of different things happening. Yeah, there. But a good win for Baltimore, you know, helps give them the, the commanding lead of the AFC North. Uh, they're in first place, six and three, uh, right ahead of the rest of the division there. And then for you have uh, the Saints, which in that god fucking awful NFC South. Yeah, that entire division's below 500, folks. Uh, looking at the schedules going forward for the Baltimore Ravens, they're actually on a bye this upcoming week. Uh, but after that, they've got the Carolina Panthers, Jacksonville Jaguars, Denver Broncos, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, and for the New Orleans Saints, there they are. Uh, they've got the Pittsburgh Steelers this upcoming Sunday, followed by the Los Angeles Rams, San Francisco 49ers, uh, and then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday night, or uh, excuse me, Monday night. Well, Ravens can definitely make a run there after the bye week. And then mm-hmm. for the Saints, I mean, you don't know whether you're going to get there, too. I, in fact, I think their game just got flexed, too. I think so. So probably not a bad idea because, I mean, let's I mean, at, it. at this point, it's kind of like you assess what you got and plan for next year. Exactly. I mean, there's no shame in saying it. It's just it's not your year. Mm-hmm. So if it's not your year, then, you know, why why bother trying to you know yeah. go over the top, so to speak? Yeah. But for Baltimore, big future ahead of them yeah. going the rest of the season. Yeah. Next up, though, uh, was our other lock, which was the Philadelphia Eagles to beat the Houston Texans, which they did by the final score of 29 to 17. Uh, Jalen Hurts, 21 to 27 for 243 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Davis Mills, uh, 13 of 22, 154 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Miles Sanders, your leading rusher for Philly with 17 carries, 93 yards and one touchdown. Uh, Damian Pierce, your leading rusher for Houston, 27 carries, 139 yards rushing, no touchdowns uh dallas godare uh your leading receiver for philly eight catches 100 yards one touchdown uh and then for houston it was philip dorsett three catches 69 yards and no touchdowns philly is now 8-0 for the first time in franchise history mm-hmm. where do you rank jalen hurts in that mvp conversation pad he's in the discussion but i don't think he wins it just given how good uh, Lamar Jackson is playing right now. He certainly deserves to be in the conversation, though. Boy, I don't know. It's it's going to be tough. If I might it, be biased because I have him on fantasy. Yeah, that's understandable. <laughs> but I, I I have to say this right now: your team is eight zero. Nobody was expecting you to play at this level. Mm-hmm. It's a situation where he's one one thousand percent in that conversation. Oh yeah. With anybody who says otherwise is just hating on Philly. But two, you have to seriously consider him the MVP yeah. oh, you have because to. if he's not playing at such an efficient level consistently, like that's the one thing with him this season. He's been very, very solid and steady mm-hmm. throughout these eight games. He has not broken too much plays into the factor of, right. you know, obviously they haven't lost, but they really have not struggled too much except for maybe that Detroit game way back when. Yeah. Like, to think about it. So you really have to consider him in that conversation. And if you're not, boy, I don't know what you're watching because when he gets on the field, Hurts is definitely commanding that team. Mm -hmm. And when you're commanding that team to such a degree that 
you got to think of them as the odds-on favorite to come out of the NFC as of this moment. Right. Because not to say that they've had an easy schedule, but let's face it, they are playing so well on both sides of the ball. Oh, yeah. But it, but it starts with Hurts. Oh, yeah. No, the only real close game they had was that Detroit one in the first week of the season was 38-35. They came back week two, beat uh, Minnesota 24-7, mm-hmm. beat Washington 24-8, beat Jacksonville 29-21. Had a close game against Arizona, which was twenty to seventeen, but still falls within the three point range. Uh, beat Dallas twenty six to seventeen. Had a bye week. Beat Pittsburgh thirty five to thirteen, and then they just had this win against Houston. Yeah. So factoring all that, and I mean Philly is downright scary. Oh yeah. And they've been lucky to dodge the injury bug for the most part. Knock on wood. Yeah, nothing's been too serious there. And I think as long as they can stay pretty much healthy, making a run. They're going to be the odds-on favorite to come out of the NFC East and or NFC period. Yeah, you have to. I, I should say, like, I don't see anybody else right now in the NFC that's really going to give them many fits. Maybe with the exception of uh, the San Francisco 49ers if they come out of the West. I'll say the only thing I can see giving them fits is whoever comes out of the West if they end up facing them. Just because, I mean, I'm looking at the South. Listen, the South's fucking awful, but somebody's going to have to come out of that division. But I don't see them giving them any issues. You know, and then you got the NFC North, which, you know, you've got the Minnesota Vikings uh, leading that division. But like we said, they just whooped the shit out of them week two, 24 to seven. So none of that worries me. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you've got the their own division, which, you know, Dallas is the next Dallas and New York are the next closest opponents. And while they haven't played the Giants yet, you know, they did beat Dallas, you know, and it, it, so the only the only division I see that giving them any issues, like I said, is the NFC West. Yeah, Frisco and maybe maybe Seattle, maybe Seattle if they fuck around and find out. Yeah, Seattle is the Cinderella of the season. So if they if they sneak in there, they could pull an upset because they just are riding that weird wave of luck. Mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise, this should be Phillies outright, and I don't think yeah. anybody can really dispute that right now. And especially if Hurts can keep playing at this level. You really got to consider him for MVP. Hertz stats are insane. Uh, he's got 2,042 yards passing on the season, good for 10th in the NFL. 12 touchdown passes, which is good for tied for 11th in the NFL. Two interceptions, insane. which is which is tied for second in the NFL. And he's got a QBR of 63.1, which is good for sixth. Or, yeah, sixth in the NFL. I pulled up the interception. Uh, stats for the season uh, for the season uh, so the other folks who have two interceptions are himself uh, Daniel Jones Mitchell Trubisky and uh, Dak Prescott the only folks who have fewer interceptions than he does Tom Brady Tyrod Taylor Amari Cooper Brett Rifen, Jacob Eason from Carolina Skylar Thompson from Miami DJ Dallas from Seattle Sam Ellinger from Indianapolis, Malik Willis from Tennessee, Brock Purdy from San Francisco, and Trey Lance. So, yeah. um, so among that, so that's just how insane this is. That yeah. like among those list of the starters, you know, there's like three. Yeah, I was gonna say there's three. I mean, a lot of them there's, are just there's three, and one of them is injured. Yeah, there's a lot of trick play passes. Yeah, exactly. But you have to really just go. Hurts has put that work in, and Philly has definitely embraced him as the true quarterback. I know that he, when he first came out of the league, everybody had a lot of questions, me included. Sure. I've never backed down from that because, obviously, coming out from the system of Alabama, and I, I know he left for a season there, but still, when an Alabama quarterback gets to the pros, it usually does not pan out. Usually. I, I have to admit because, you know what, two in Miami has proven me wrong thus far. Mm-hmm. And I will say this very quickly. I am happy to see him producing after being 
so horrifically hurt this year. And mismanaged. Yeah. And that's all, you know, Miami is counting their blessings, but I'm more happy for Tua than I am Miami in any mm-hmm. shape or oh, fashion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But Hertz was also a guy that was just, he was written off, and now you're seeing he's gotten time to sit there. He's got a little chip on his shoulder, which I love how he's playing, and he's definitely leading this team. Houston, on the other hand, I mean, listen, there is. We knew a, this was going to be a bad year. We knew this was going to be a bad year. I think the the only thing that you could say was a saving grace is they kept it uh, within the point spread. Yeah, that's true. Because it definitely upset yeah, a lot of people true. that was taking they, they the kept over. It, they kept it within the point spread, and like the fucking next night or a couple nights later, they won a World Series. So be happy, you fucks. Yeah, we're not happy for them at all. So I mean, Houston, uh, thanks for playing one and six and one. Uh, your season's done. I will. I will say though, nice on Mattress Mac to host. You know that entire suite of Philly fans down in Houston. That was that was a nice gesture. It was nice because obviously he's going to need something to watch now because the Texans are not going to get anywhere near the playoffs unless no, they they're buying are. tickets. No, they're not. And the Rockets, eh, we'll see. Yeah, Rockets to be determined. Dot dot dot. Uh, looking at the schedules for the uh, both teams, you've got for the Philly, uh, they have the Washington Commanders. Bum 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 bum. Uh, on Monday Night Football this upcoming week, then they've got the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night, and then the Tennessee Titans. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. That that could be some ugly football. Let's see. In the, the worst way possible. Point spread. Oh, wow. Uh, the point spread as we record is Philly by 11, and the over-under is 44. Against Washington? Uh-huh. That's probably solid. What's going to be worse, and we will get to this when we talk about Indy this week, that could possibly be a, a real high double digit. The ESPN matchup predictor, you know, according to ESPN analytics, has 16.6% chance of Washington winning. I would like to see those 16.6% uh, outcomes. Like, not actually happen, but like, what the hell happened that led to those 16% of the wins? Well, the one thing we, and we'll touch upon this when we talk about the Bills game, it's interdivision. True. So you have to give that benefit of the doubt. If anybody's going to upset Philly, it could be Washington. Could be. Because Washington, you legit don't know if they're going to put it together during a game. Mm-hmm. Like, you just you don't know. I don't think they will. I think this should be Philly easy. But I'm going to say this. I think that Washington's going to give them a bigger problem that I think more fans realize. I still think Philly wins. Yeah, at I least, do too. At least this one. But I'm saying Washington could sneak one out or at least – Put some pressure on them. Like, it could be a lot closer going into that fourth quarter than people realize. Uh, and then for the Houston Texans, they've got the New York Giants this upcoming Sunday, followed by the by the Washington Commanders, bum, 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 bum. Miami Dolphins, and the Cleveland Browns. Uh, thanks for showing up, Houston. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then switching over to our leaps, uh, one of our leaps was the Seattle Seahawks to beat the Arizona Cardinals, which they did by the final score of 31-21. to Geno Smith, 26-34 for 275 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Kyler Murray, 25-35 for 175 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Kenneth Walker III, your leading rusher for Seattle, 26 carries, 109 yards, two touchdowns. Kyler Murray led for Arizona with eight carries, 60 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Noah Font, your leading receiver for Seattle with five catches, 96 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, and Rondell Moore, your leading receiver for Arizona, eight, car- eight catches, 69 yards, and no touchdowns. You know, we did our preview show at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. We said Seattle was going to be the last of the division. Arizona was going to be a playoff team. And, boy, did somebody ever pull the switcheroo there. Oh, so somebody messed with our uh, analytics there. I will say this. Geno Smith is the comeback player of the year. Uh, yeah. At this uh, point, I can't think of who you'd put ahead of him. Yeah, I mean, the list is very small. 
Yeah. But I'm going to say right now, Geno should win outright. Mm-hmm. The way that he's now leading this offense, and they're clicking at such a weird synergy. This is a true testament that they know what they're doing up in Seattle. And like, and it's nothing that's been <coughs> Carroll and company up there. But when we said Russell Wilson, let's ride, was leaving, we were like, okay, Seattle is going to be struggling. Geno is not sure. going to be the guy. Sure. Geno obviously has had a very streaky NFL career. This situation really shows he came in there, he bought into the system that Pete Carroll was still doing. They they have a, a gift in mm-hmm. disguise mm-hmm. in Kenneth Walker the third because I don't think anybody had him on the radar nope. for being this good and being a solid running back that took that takes a ton of pressure mm-hmm. off Geno. That is something that is a blessing in disguise. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, I think maybe you know we need to say we were wrong because a lot of folks, all of it, yeah, you know, a lot of folks said before Russ left that there was talk that maybe Pete Carroll should retire, mm-hmm. that maybe he's just doesn't have it anymore. Maybe the NFL has passed him by, and it's a whole different game now. That oh, you know, let Russ cook, and it's Russ. Russ is great. All that. That's right. You know. Maybe we were wrong because you've got Russ in Denver away from Pete Carroll and he's hot garbage. Mm-hmm. And you've got Pete Carroll here with Geno Smith. Now, admittedly, Geno Smith, no spring chicken. You know, no, he's, not, he's not. not a rookie. He's not a sophomore. You know, he's been in the league a little bit, but he's flourishing beautifully. Maybe it was Russ. You know, maybe it's, it's just something's up with Russ. Well, you're hearing about, like, all those kind of crazy stories coming out of the Denver camp. I mean, the allegedly's, I should say. Like sure. I say, they're Like I say, they're stories, so I'm not giving them a lot of gravity. But I'm going to say this. You're, you're hearing a lot more drama coming with Russell with that team. Yeah. Than you did when he was in Seattle. So maybe Russ was the problem. But they now have the solution in theory with Gino. Well, he's a, he's a good solution. He's not a permanent one. No, he's not, but but you almost have to wonder like you'll have to go get a quarterback this offseason whether it's the draft or or somebody. Yeah, cuz uh, he's in his ninth year in the NFL next year will be his 10th. Yeah. So he still could be very productive next season too. Sure. But I would say if I'm Seattle, I'm looking at a quarterback next year. Oh, I am too, especially since he turns uh 33 in October of next year. Or, yeah. yeah, October. So other than quarterbacks not named, you know, Tom Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or like Drew Brees, you start to see a fall off once you hit that point. Yeah, no, you're going to definitely start seeing that. But that's why I say if you can have somebody sit behind Geno, statements I never thought I'd be making at this time of year. If you have him sit behind Geno for a season or two maybe. Sure. You know how beneficial that would be for oh, Seattle that'd, moving forward? That'd be forward? great. And then you take a look on the flip side and you want to talk about quarterback drama. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray is Definitely not living up to the snuff. Getting into it with DeAndre on the sideline. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I'm like, I understand mm-hmm. frustrations are coming to a boil. And, they, and you know what? To be honest with you, they should. Mm-hmm. Because this team on paper should be a lot better than that record shows. Kyler Murray, James Conner, Zach Ertz, DeAndre Hopkins. You know, they got Robbie Anderson there. Rondell Moore's emerging. You know, it, it's a, on paper, it's a great team. It's a great team that is falling apart from the top to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And I mean this at the top because the coach, I think, is just not connecting with his players. It's not the right one. No, Kingsbury is just – he. it's just not working. I'm sorry. You can see players are checking out. And this is just me doing the eye test, in my opinion. You're not wrong. 
Kyler Murray, I don't know what it is, if it's the whole Call of Duty release nonsense. That, uh, he is 0-2 since Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 yeah, came out. Yeah, since that stat came out. I mean, I'm not saying that that's a factor, but whatever the case is, he's not connecting with his team either. And you can definitely tell that they can't get an offense rolling. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, they put up 14 points in the second half, but at that point, game was more or less out of reach. Like, and it's weird to say, well, yeah. you know, it's only 14-17 at, at the stage. Yeah, but they showed no sign of life. Right. Like, that's the thing about it. I didn't sit there and go like, oh, wow, you know, they're going to make a comeback. I honestly didn't think. I was like, no. And it's not like they put up back-to-back 14-point, you know, back-to-back touchdowns. And, ah, shit, you know what? They just ran out of time. No, they put up seven points in in the third and seven points in the fourth. Meanwhile, their defense gave up two scores to Seattle. Yeah. So how do you justify that? And I think now you really have to say Kingsbury is going to be gone this offseason. Yeah, sooner rather than later because, as we've seen in the NFL this year, the uh, trigger finger seems to be a little quick. Yeah, it does. So I think there's a lot of coaches that are definitely on the hot seat right now. I think Arizona, you got to look at that team and say, okay, the experiment is not working. Like you said, given the talent on the field, they should be doing better than their record shows. Yeah, like I think you need to get somebody there that – is in a pro system. I've been screaming Eric Benamy's name from Kansas City, that offensive coordinator. I think he's the guy you gotta go get this offseason. I think that he should be a head coach by now. Why he isn't, I don't beyond me. Mm-hmm. But I think you need to go in a different direction, especially I think you need somebody to work with Kyler. Mm-hmm. I think that there's too much damage done from the current regime to yeah. in their relationship to yeah. where I don't I don't know how you repair it unless somebody goes. And you're not moving Murray. I no. know that. You're not. You're definitely no. not moving him. So, oh no, God, no. You have to watch him moving forward. But I think Arizona <sighs> disappointment. Is yeah, the easy way you can describe their easily, season. easily. And Seattle is Cinderella, folks. Yeah, you're playing with house money. Uh, looking at their schedules for this upcoming week for the Seattle Seahawks, they are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this upcoming Sunday at 9:30 in the morning Eastern. Uh, that's because oh, it's in Germany, right? They're playing in Munich, Germany. Uh, that'll be on the NFL Network. They're on a bye week the week after, uh, and after the bye week, they come back and play the Las Vegas Raiders and the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, and then on the flip side, there's my mouse. Uh, you've got the Arizona Cardinals who are playing the Los Angeles Rams this upcoming Sunday. They've got the San Francisco 49ers on uh, Monday Night Football. Uh, and then they've got the Los Angeles Chargers the week after before they've got a bye week in week 13. That could be an ugly stretch for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. That could really be an ugly stretch, especially Frisco on Monday night. Frisco on Monday night. I'm checking this because there's a little asterisk next to the time. It's supposed to be a home game. Uh, for Arizona, but oh no, it is still a home game. Oh no, no, it's not. Sorry, it's in nope. Me- it's in Mexico City. I was gonna say I think this one in Mexico it's, City. It's in Mexico City, so it's supposed to be a home game, but it's not a home game. Yeah, I, like I said, F- Frisco could show up and really make a statement win out of that, and I think that could be the end of the Cardinal season right there. Like they they could put on a hot streak if they can put it together, but d- I have no faith in watching them. Super super duper early spread right now for the Frisco Arizona game is Frisco by five and a half. And I think that goes up, too. Mm-hmm. And the current over-under is 45. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I could see that going up to 9 by the time it's all said and done. If if Murray has another bad game. Depending on how this upcoming Sunday goes, yeah, maybe. It's interesting times, folks. Uh-huh. But I tell you what, Seattle, congratulations. Keep on dancing because, yeah. you know what, you never know when that's going to stop. And then our other leap was the uh, Los Angeles Rams to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which... Almost happened. Oh, man. Almost happened. Uh, but you had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win by the final score of 16-13. to 13. Uh, Tom Brady is 36 of 58. 280 yards. 58. He had 58 attempts. 
Uh, and it wasn't until the 58th attempt that he had a fucking touchdown pass. Uh, 280 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Matthew Stafford, 13 of 27, 165 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Daryl Henderson Jr., your leading rusher for the Rams, with 12 carries, uh, 56 yards, and no touchdowns. Uh, Rashad White, uh, your leading rusher for Tampa Bay, with 8 carries, 27 yards, no touchdowns. Cade Otten, your leading receiver for Tampa Bay, five catches, 68 yards, one touchdown. Uh, and then Cooper Cup, obviously, your leading receiver for the Rams, eight catches, 127 yards, and one touchdown. A few takeaways that jump out to me. Mm-hmm. One, Matthew Stafford is not right. Nope. And if I'm the Rams, I know I talked about it last week, um, deactivate him. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. His arm is not holding up to where it needs to be. I think that this is causing some problems. In my opinion, deactivate him and get him back right for next season. Being three and five, it's going to be tough to make a run in that NFC playoff system. I mean, you could probably sneak in there. Sure. But I think you really got to take a look at it and say, what am I doing with my franchise quarterback? It's kind of crazy to see just because he started off fairly decently. I mean, from a yards perspective, you know, he had the first game of the season against the Bills, 240 yards. Mm Mm-hmm. Game against second week, game against Atlanta, uh, 272. Then he played Arizona, 249. San Francisco, 254. High mark of the season came against Dallas with 308. Yeah. Then he played Carolina and had 253. Then you get the back-to-back games here with uh, San Francisco, 187, and then this week, 165. Yeah, I mean, that's a big drop-off. It's dropping off like crazy. Yeah, and especially if you're talking about playoff-esque teams, this is going to be a problem. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm sorry, I think the Super Bowl hangover is still hanging on. Yeah. I think a lot of that offensive line, I know there's been issues and such, and it's definitely showing. Four sacks this game? Yeah. You're not doing him any favors, so that's why I say, like, I'm going to go out on the record right now. Deactivate him. Holy fuck, he's been sacked 28 times this year. Exactly. God damn. And you're wondering why his arm still is not healing right. God damn. Yeah, I mean, when he's on the ground half the time, and you can definitely tell there's something wrong with his arm. You can definitely see the Uh physicality of it. Something is not right. They need to just say, okay, we're going to let it ride and then see how it goes because he just cannot do the job at this stage. Currently third in the NFL in sacks for quarterbacks. Uh, The only two quarterbacks ahead of him are Joe Burrow at number two with 30 and Justin Fields at number one with 33. Uh, Just behind him, the one and only Danny Dimes, uh, 25. Yeah, that's not a good company to be around. <laughs> no, it's really not. I'm sorry, even Burrow. Burrow's got to be frustrated beyond belief, especially with how much they spend on that offensive line. Yeah. Different story, though, at different time. On the flip side, though, this was Tom Brady doing Tom Brady things. Mm-hmm. I, I was watching the game. I was out to dinner with, with my family, and you know we were at a uh, – restaurant that likes to show a lot of sports on the on the televisions you know and one of the and obviously since there was only the two games on at that at 4 30 you know uh we one of the games that was tvs that was closest was on this game so i was watching this game you know so it was it was just a case of back and forth slug them out you know but that was once i saw how much time was left at the end of the game and, and Brady had the ball and I'm like, yeah, this is over. Oh yeah. He, I'm like high Patriots fan, you know, for 20 some odd years, I've seen this before. Well, the thing about it is that final two minutes of the game, the Rams made one of the more impressive goal line stands. Oh yeah. In recent memory. I thought they had them. Well, they should have had them and it even got a gift because Scotty Miller dropped a wide open pass. Should have had it. For a touchdown. Yeah, he should have had it. I don't care if it hit him in his face mask. He should have had it. This was a situation that the Rams had chances to 
to ice this game and be done. And yet they couldn't do it. The offense couldn't get, you know, really sustain anything after making the stands. You get Brady enough time to come back. Brady remembered, oh, I have a tight end on this team mm-hmm. in Kate Odden. Who, First touchdown by a tight end for that team this season. Thank you. And that's the big thing because when he was the leaving, leading wide receiver here, or receiver, I should say, yeah, he was putting up wide receiver stats, and this first it was shocking because he's a tight end. Mm-hmm. And this is something we haven't seen from Brady this season. He's this, really missing Gronk. Oh, he's missing Gronk. He's missing that safety blanket, which he's relied on for years. Mm-hmm. Brady doesn't need to have an arm that can make it 70 yards down the field. He just needs to make it 10. Mm-hmm. And that's where he strikes best. And, and that's what's hurting him. You know, those lean years with the uh, Patriots, you know, obviously they're, everyone, oh, he was great with the Patriots. They, the couple of years they had Randy Moss, he was a deep threat uh, quarterback. Mm-hmm. Once Randy Moss left, you know, it was the dink and dunk with the Julian Edelmans, the Danny Amendolas, you know, the Gronkowskis, you know, and what have you. You know, it was only for the couple of years that he was a deep threat guy. He's, yeah. he's not a deep threat guy. Yeah. And no offense to Kate Otten, you know, you're a you're a decent player. He's not Gronk. You're not Gronk. And I'm sorry, no offense to any of the other receivers. You know, Julio Jones, you're a future Hall of Famer. You're not the same Julio Jones of old. No, he's not. You know, none of those other guys are a Julian Edelman. None of those are the guys that are going to go across the middle of the field banging and, and you know, run into defenders to try and catch the ball and sacrifice their body. None of them are that guy. No, God, and it's showing. Godwin was trying at one point, but it just it doesn't work out. Like I'm sorry, there's certain players that can really step up and be a slot receiver. In my opinion, you talk about like Cole Beasley. You talk about Edelman. Sure. You talk about well, Hunter. they tried with Cole Beasley, but then he retired after. Right, week. but you talk about like over the over the past few seasons, yeah, H- yeah, yeah. Hunter Renfro from uh, yeah. the the Raiders. Yeah, you're talking about. It's a specific job that some people can really, you know, do, and especially for receivers like Tom Brady who don't bomb it down the field. They need that, and he has not had that luxury this season. But he's finally getting an emergence at tight end. Now, am I saying Otten's going to be the next Gronk? No, absolutely not. No, but I think he played solid enough that they could win an ugly game that they really should not have won. No, let's let's face it. Tampa should not have won this game. Tampa shouldn't have. But this is how bad the Rams are. Yeah especially with this touted defense that they're supposed to have, they make this amazing stop, and yet they got to get right back on the field and try doing it again. And Jalen Ramsey is not that good, folks. I'm sorry. No. I know I'll hear a lot of online criticism about this. He he was. He was at one point, but I think that he's living off name value these days because a lot of these drives late in this game, I think, were on him, mm-hmm. in my opinion. But. You know what? This is why we sit and watch these games to analyze because, I'm sorry, just on the paper test, I don't see either of these teams making a deep run. No, and it certainly ain't going to get any better for the Rams, who, looking at the standings, are currently sitting in third place of the NFC West. Meanwhile, Tampa Bay, that whole fucking division sucks. They're tied with the Atlanta Falcons for first place at 4-5. and five. Uh, Then you've got the New Orleans Saints at 3-6 and six, and the Carolina Panthers at 2-7. and seven. So, hey, that whole division sucks. Yeah. Uh, the Rams, for their schedule this upcoming week, they have the Arizona Cardinals. After that, they play the New Orleans Saints, Kansas City Chiefs, and then the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and then you've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, like we mentioned before, are playing Seattle over in Germany this upcoming week. Uh, they've got a bye week in Week 11, and then they come back playing the Cleveland Browns and then the New Orleans Saints on Monday Night Football. Not excited about any of those games. I'm sorry. No. Brady has not impressed me at this stage. I mean, it's it's a it's a vintage Brady win, mm-hmm. so I will give him that. Mm-hmm. But this is not vintage Brady football. No. So no. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm not excited about seeing Tampa Bay make a run. 
sure they could probably sneak and win the division maybe by default because reasons. Yeah. But other than that, I, I don't see anything happening here. I'm just more concerned about Matthew Stafford, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. Because he's looking worse and worse. It's and, not good. No, it's not good. And for L.A., it's not going to get any better. I'm just nope. I'm putting it out there right now. Nope. So that being said, Pat, let's take a quick lap around the league and give the quick recap on everybody else. Yeah, so I uh, mentioned the New England Patriots beat the Indianapolis Colts by a final score of 26-3. Of note of this game, holy fuck, this defense was good. Uh, Sam Ellinger for the Indianapolis Colts sacked nine times. Jesus. Uh, you had, where are they? There we go. Uh, you had three from Josh Oos. Uh, U-C-H-E, uh, one from Jawan Bentley, uh, a half a sack from Jelani Tavi, uh, and then you had, where is it there? I know there's another three in there. Where the hell is it? Uh, I think it was, uh, oh, there it is, Matthew Judon, uh, Red Sleeves, the NFL leader in sacks, three hmm. sacks himself. Uh, hell of a game from the boys here. Early birthday present for myself. Thank you very much. Uh, you had Mac Jones, 147 yards, one touchdown. Uh, and then, like I said, the big story, though, nine sacks from the uh, for the Indianapolis Colts uh, on their own quarterback. Yikes. Colts are mailing it in, folks. Colts it's, are mailing it in hard. It's it's a wrap. I'm sorry. In fact, Frank Wright was fired as head coach. Frank Wright was fired as head coach, and they hired Jeff Saturday. Of all people, and this isn't a shot against Jeff Saturday. I'm sure he has a great football mind. Obviously, being the center for Peyton Manning all those seasons, you know what you're doing. But there's no way you can justify to me that that is the perfect hire for a head coach. I'm sorry. How do you say tank for 100, Alex? It, it, that's exactly what it is. And I said this in our, our group chat for the locks and leaps. This, to me, screams the owner, Jim Ursay is just trying to appease the fans. They're like, hey, I know we suck, but here's this really beloved player who's in our ring of, ring of honor that's going to come and coach with next to no coaching experience. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. This is like Steve Nash going to Brooklyn. I'm sorry. You're not selling me on this one. Anybody that is trying to say that this is a great hire. This is great for a nostalgia purpose, mm-hmm. but you're here to win games. You're not going to win any games, so I'm sorry with Saturday. The fact that your quarterback is absolutely awful. You're it, On paper and on doing the eye test, you're mailing it in. Jonathan Taylor is out yet again. I know he's listed as questionable for this week right? thus far, but him not in that lineup, that hurts you tremendously. Yeah. And the most boring team in football got even more boring. And I'm sorry, you, if this is going to supposed to light a spark. It's not lighting a spark. Mm-hmm. The Patriots' defense, for all its issues this season, played exceptionally well. Right. I will give you that. Oh, yeah. Mack looked very solid against a team that Indianapolis, like we always say, you talk about a team that lurks in the shadows and is very quiet and doesn't mm-hmm. make a lot of noise. They are the textbook definition. Oh, yeah. But no, I looked it up. Jeff Saturday, his only coaching experience, according to his Wikipedia page, was the head coach of the Hebron Christian Academy from 2017 to 2020. Uh, they are a private school down there in uh, Dacula, Georgia. Yeah. So how does this justify? I, yeah, some private private school really translates to the NFL. Good fucking oh, luck, my guy. Stop. Is, He's is, like he was a great center. Does being a great center translate to being a head coach in the NFL? I don't think so. No, it doesn't. This is a, this is a tank move. I'm sorry. In my opinion, this, this is a this tank move. This ain't like catchers in Major League Baseball, where 99 percent of the time I would say catchers make great managers when it comes to translating that to uh, in, into baseball, because catchers are essentially quarterbacks in in Major League Baseball. They're making the calls. They're telling what to do. That they're relaying signs. You know, center not the same. No, this is this is absolutely atrocious hire, in my opinion. Oh, and by the way, it gets worse because they announced today that the the, the guy who's going to be their play caller is a gentleman by the name of Parks Frazier. 
Uh, his experience as a coach. In 2015, he was the defensive quality control coach at Samford. What? Uh, he was the defensive quality control coach at Middle Tennessee that same year. Uh, he was a graduate assistant at Arkansas State from 2016 to 2017. He was an assistant to the head coach for the Indianapolis Colts from 2018 to 2019. He was the offensive quality control coach in 2020 for the Colts. Uh, and this year, he's been the assistant quarterbacks coach. But apparently now he's going to be the play caller. Oh, by the way, he's 30 years old. I'm just moving on because my head is exploding with yeah. WTF. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry. This this just reads what it is. If I'm wrong, somebody please hit me up on that hashtag and let me know what I'm missing here. Let's play this game, though. Let's pull up their schedule, see what they're doing. Uh, they've got the – oh, God, have mercy on their soul. They've got the Las Vegas Raiders this upcoming Sunday. We're currently the – holy fucking shit. Uh, the Raiders are currently six-and-a-half-point favorites. <laughs> that and now, mind you, this is the game takes place at four o five p.m. Eastern on CBS. There is a lot of time between now and then, and that number is going to grow. It should grow, but I don't know if it's going to. I mean, that's the one thing about that. I just ah, the Raiders are their own problems too. We'll get into that in just a minute, but yeah, this is nothing to be excited about here, Colts fans. I'm sorry, just mail it in. It's done. It's a wrap. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You had well, even Pat McAfee said himself on Twitter on Sunday. It's very hard to be a Colts fan right now. Oh, it, it absolutely is because you know these moves. Why? Why would you support this? Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I, and like I said, it's nothing against Saturday personally. No, he's he's a nice guy. Yeah, you know, but decent uh, decent analyst on ESPN. You know, mm-hmm. for for what little I caught, you know, yeah. I wasn't the biggest NFL ESPN guy, but you know, hey. Uh, some of the other games you had the Los uh, Los Angeles Chargers beat to the Atlanta Falcons twenty to seventeen. Who is Atlanta? Uh, they suck. Yes. <laughs> uh, you had the Miami Dolphins somehow beat the Chicago Bears thirty-five to thirty-two, despite a her- oh. despite a Herculean effort from Justin Fields. And uh, hey, shout out to my opponent, my one fantasy league, who left Justin Fields on his bench. Uh, that- Let's just talk about this. The Bears should have won this except for an egregious yeah. no-call for pass interference. Uh, Justin Fields, 117-28, 123 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, and then 15 carries, 178 yards rushing. Jesus. He, he averaged 11.9 yards per rush, one touchdown. So he had four total touchdowns on the day, and I want to say he had north of 45 points, maybe close to 50. And my side note, did I mention my opponent in fantasy left him on his bench this week? Uh, it's crazy to think of that he dro- he dropped this kind of game because obviously this should have been an easy win for Miami and it wasn't. Yeah, Miami is lucky they snuck out of this and like I said, if it wasn't for a bad pass interference, no call, probably the game would have gone a different scenario mm-hmm. in my opinion. So, enough said there. Uh, you had the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Carolina Panthers forty-two to twenty-one. Joe Mixon, have a fucking day. Joe Mixon is carrying that team on his back, literally, because nobody God. else is scoring for that team. God damn. 153 yards rushing, four touchdowns, uh, and then he had 58 yards receiving with one touchdown. So five total touchdowns on the day. That's still amazing. Mm-hmm. That's still amazing it's to watch. Insane. Yeah. Uh, you had the Detroit Lions. Yes, folks, the Detroit Lions beat the Green Bay Packers 15-9. to Green Bay is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I guess we can take a little second to talk about this. How do you define keeping Aaron Rodgers now? I know Little Wayne came out with a tweet. I was just about to pull that up. Yeah, I mean, uh, just a I know, I know the Packers fans yep. are very, very angry and rightfully so because, as we touched upon in past podcast episodes, Aaron Rodgers is mentally checked out. Mm-hmm. You can say whatever you want about this; he is mentally checked out of this team. 
So I pulled it up uh, at 4.13 on Sunday. Uh, you had Lil Wayne, uh, who, in case you didn't know, very big Packers fan, mm-hmm. uh, took the Wiz Khalifa song Black and Yellow and remixed it into Green and Yellow. Uh, tweet, quote, rip to the season. We should have gotten rid of 12 before the season, close quote. And I think a lot of Packer fans are saying the same thing. And you know what? You have to kind of take a judgment call here. Mm-hmm. In in your wildest dreams, Pad, would you ever think Packer fans would want to get rid of Aaron Rodgers? No. I I always figured it'd be a Brett Favre like scenario where they want to see him play until the arm falls off. But Brett Favre didn't necessarily fall off like this performance wise with the Packers that I can remember. You know, obviously he fell off later when he was with the Vikings, but mm. but no, I, I always figured they want to see him there until the end of his career and you know He'd have a great career and, and finish things out, but Christ Almighty, this is this is you know Thelma and Luis driving off the cliff. You know the drama that surrounds this team is not going away, and I think it's only going to get worse. And I think Matt Matt Lafleur is gone as coach. Oh, he has to be. I think you, you got to say he's got to be. The experiment gone. is done. Yeah, it has to be because I mean, other than that, what do you do with Rodgers? Because if Rodgers is not the guy. I'll say currently they're three and six. Although you can make the argument they almost were two and seven mm-hmm. because they their three losses on the year was a week two win against Chicago, uh, twenty seven to ten, a week three win against Tampa Bay, which was fourteen twelve. Which again, fuck at this point they could be one and eight, right? If the ball bounces a couple different ways, and then they almost couldn't beat a third string rookie quarterback in Bailey Zap. Yeah, I'm going to bring it up. Sorry, it's facts, folks. They should have beaten the Patriots by more than twenty-seven to twenty-four in overtime. Yeah, this is a remember. This is a this was a third-string quarterback who had no practice time. I tell you what, I think the Packers need to do one of two things: either you fire Lafleur or you put Rodgers on waivers. And you, no, you, they're you, not going to do that. I know, but you, but you have to do something. Like one of them has to go next season if Rodgers doesn't retire, just to say peace out. Like, what else is there for him to do? Like, he obviously does not want to be there. And it shows in that play. Like, we all talk about Father Time catching up to people. Boy, it seemingly caught up to him real quick. Oh, my God. I don't know if it's all that nonsense he was doing in the Ayahuasca. Yeah, whatever that crap is. You have to consider it. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just, in my opinion, it's like, what the hell happened to him that you just fell off? Mm-hmm. Other than you don't care. Yeah. Enough said. Uh, it would be interesting, though, this upcoming Sunday. They're playing Dallas at uh, 425 on Fox. I don't know how the line isn't more right now, probably because it's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but currently, Dallas is the favorite by five. Just by five? By five. Well, they're hoping Aaron Rodgers shows up and pulls some Aaron Rodgers magic. But mm-hmm. listen, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're seeing that eye test, I don't see it happening. Uh, you had the New York Jets beat the Buffalo Bills by the final score of 20-17. to 17. Okay. Not going to dodge this one. Pad, what was, what was I saying for the past couple weeks? Uh, that there's a very real chance the Jets could beat the Bills. Yep. And what happened? The Jets beat the Bills. Two things really hampered the Bills in this one. One, Josh Allen played egregiously in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Egregiously. When they got that uh, botched kickoff to start the game, he bombs it downfield to Diggs. He goes the next pass. I don't know where he was throwing to. And he got he gets picked off right in the end zone. So you know it's going to be a rough day. They could not get that offense clicking. And when it came time to really get the ball going, Josh just was making bad decisions. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if he was anticipating too much and throwing it and hoping people would be there. But when Sauce Gardner and the Jets secondary was stepping up, they made big plays. Can't deny that. Yeah. Can't say anything bad about their defense. However, 
some ghost of the past has now came back to haunt the Bills. Okay. They cannot stop the swing pass run. Oh, geez. Every time that you see that Jets stat line for their running backs, Pat. I yeah. know you got in front of you. So I do. We can read that off quick. I do. Uh, so we're talking the rushing stats? Or the, yes, okay. the rushing stats. Michael Carter, 12 carries, 76 yards, one touchdown. Uh, James Robinson, 13 carries, 48 yards, no touchdowns. Zach Wilson himself, five carries, 24 yards, no touchdowns. Ty Johnson, two carries, 17 yards, no touchdowns. Garrett Wilson, one for seven, no touchdowns. And then uh, Ashton Davis, one for two, uh, no touchdowns. All they did was run end arounds. They didn't run up the middle. The only time it ran up the middle is there was a broken play that Zach Wilson ran for. That it was like a third and I'm going to say 14. Okay. And he got he got a quick yard, sir. So, so like, listen, I'm going to say this: he played well. Sure, I was not impressed with Zach Wilson. I don't think it there was anything on them. I think their offensive coordinator figured out: okay, the Bills can't stop the run. Mm-hmm. We're just going to run to the outside every time and wear them out. And lo and behold, they did. Yeah. Because if you want to even scarier stat, time of possession in the third quarter. Okay. The Jets had something like. 12 minutes Jesus. of the entire quarter. So you can't tell me that the Jets, or the Bills rather, was this elite defense when yet again they don't make second-half adjustments if you can't stop the run in the third quarter. Uh, I can't break it down by quarter, but according to the box score, our team stats on ESPN.com, uh, it has the New York Jets listed at 32 minutes and 44 seconds for time of possession and the Buffalo Bills 27 minutes and 16 seconds. Yeah, it was all pretty much second half for the Jets. And listen, they 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 won an ugly game. I'll give them I I gave them their due. I told sure. them, I said it was going to happen. Josh was running all over the place, but yet again, when he's running for 86 yards and Singletary's only running for 24, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And especially you just went out, you picked up Naeem Hines from the Colts. Right. He was supposed to be the big game changer. Nothing. No, he did not even make any carry. No, he didn't uh, make Allen had nine carries. Devin Singletary had eight. James Cook had four. And Isaiah McKenzie had one. Yeah, but that was it. And it's nothing to write home about at all. So this team played very, very badly. I know that they were beat up on injuries. Josh Allen has got something going on with his arm. Uh, potential UCL injury is what they're saying. Yeah, so he's going to be out for a while, more than likely. Could be. And I know that Case Keenum is going to be playing, uh, I guess, against the Vikings this coming week. Mm. Which, okay, I will say this. Not being a homer about this, I think the Bills are going to win outright. I'm saying it's going to be a close game, but the Bills will win if Keenum is playing. And I why? Because when Kirk Cousins was celebrating after their win this past week, mm-hmm. whenever he does a big celebration like that after a win, he usually comes out flat the next game. Uh, currently, as we record, it is Buffalo Bills by five and a half. Still five and a half with Josh, not with an injury. That is That says a lot right now. So I'm going to say this. Bills went out right. Are they going to cover the spread? No. I, I'll say this. I, I could see this being a three-point game, but they'll, but they'll win. Yeah, They're going to win this one. And the reason they're going to win is they are a better team than Minnesota. However, though, if they're going to make a run in the playoffs, they need Josh Allen healthy. Mm-hmm. If I'm Sean McDermott, I'm sitting him this week. I know. Oh, I, I would. Yeah. I, well, I know people are – I was mentioning this online. People are like, you can't sit Josh. You can't sit him. Yes, you yeah, can. Yeah, you can. Because he's the long-term guy that's going to carry you into January. 
who gives a crap about a forgettable week in November? Yeah. They're doing fine. Even if they take the L this week, they're still in the playoff contention. I'll say, yeah, they're still in there. I mean, it it all kind of depends on how things shake. They currently have the number one seed in the uh, AFC. Uh, Kansas City is tied there right there with them. Uh, Buffalo wins the tie break over Kansas City based on head-to-head win percentage. Right. Uh, And then Baltimore's right there at six and three. But then you've got Tennessee in fourth at five and three. Uh, So depending on how Kansas City and Baltimore go this week, it's not going to hurt you in the long run. No, it won't. And that's what I'm thinking. If he's really that hurt, if he's going to be out for a while, this is not season-ending. No. Sit him and put it in your offense. Like, Dorsey can call a good game. Keenum will be fine to be the play caller. Like, that's all you really need him to do at this stage. And if he's not, then I'm sorry. Then go get the Maserati off waivers and and plug (laughs) him in there. I don't know what you want me to tell you otherwise. Then, you know what? We need to focus on the game that's ahead of us. I don't need to worry about some other nonsense that's going on that we played a horrible game. Josh mm-hmm. played a horrible game, and you know what he wore? He admitted to it. He didn't say anything about it. He just said, you know what, I this this one's on me. I played like shit. His exact words. Yeah. And you know what? Own that because you know what? You did. And I'm not mad at him about it. It's just he's got to play better with the yeah. ball, and the Bills need to be better in shutting down the run because, you know what, if you can't stop the run in the playoffs, I'm sorry it's not going to mean it's not going to no. matter who no is behind center if you guys can't do what you need to do i'm sorry like this is a situation that you got punched in the mouth by the jets which i said for weeks i'm not going to take a victory lap about this their defense was come going to come out there and smack you and they did you didn't respond yep. you let them run crazy on you oh yeah so you know what take the l this week go home have a game on sunday and bounce back Enough said. Uh, and all you need to know about Zach Wilson is what Rob Gronkowski said about him. Quote, as long as they can keep their quarterback's head in the playbook instead of outside the parent-teacher conferences. Facts. Mm-hmm. Absolute facts. Uh, and then looking at some of the other games we had going on uh, Sunday, you had the Minnesota Vikings beat the Washington Commanders 20-17. to Enough said there. I mean, Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. It should have been a lot more of a spread between the points, but hey, it is what it is. Well, that's the whole thing. Everybody's out in Minnesota is like a real contender. I'm sorry. If you can't put away the Commanders, bum, 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 bum. I'm I'm not sold on you. Like you are pulling off that Denver win streak against uh-huh. against bad teams. I'm sorry. Like I'm not sitting there watching Minnesota and thinking they're going to make a deep run. No, no. I'm sorry. And in fact, the cousin celebration after last week proved it right to the letter. Yeah, because it was like you like that. It was like 2.0 with that. Mm-hmm. And what happened after you did that? Oh yeah, you had a bad game. Guess what? What do you think the Bills' pressure is going to do to you? They're going to get a little more healthy. Maybe Tredavious White is going to be playing this week. I don't know. A couple chicken wings, a couple tables. I'm telling you, going up to the Bills Mafia home base, that's going to be a tough game for you. Uh, you had the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Oak, the o- Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, twenty-seven to twenty. God, I wish they were the Oakland Raiders because this Vegas version is not good. I'm Josh McDaniels, how soon are you coming back to New England, my guy? Josh McDaniels, I'm surprised, still has a job. Well, if Al Davis was still uh, owning the team, he wouldn't. Exactly. But it all goes down to this. Derek Carr is not the guy. Nope. And why he stopped throwing to Devontae Adams beyond me, I don't care that it was 10 for 146 and 2. If he's the only one scoring on your team, you keep giving him the damn ball. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to do. But, no, the Raiders blew the lead. And it made it for an ugly game. You let a Jacksonville team that should not have came back come back on you. But, hey, we have to acknowledge one stat. Yeah. 
Christian Kirk. Oh, yeah. Eight receptions, 76 yards, and one touchdown. $90 million, folks. Not bad. Make it happen. But, yeah, the fact the Raiders lost this one, it's it's on car. I'm sorry. Yeah, Raiders now slip to 2-6, uh, and six, and they are currently in last place in the AFC West. Yeah, so, you know what? I, if I'm them, I go in on Lamar Jackson this offseason. It's an option. You, you do Might cost what, you, but it's an option. doesn't matter. At this stage, you, you have too much talent on the offensive side of the ball to win. Your defense needs to play better. Yeah. Your se- second, oh, second, secondary was a little rough, but, I mean, Max Crosby can only do so much. Uh, I know we were talking with Rich from 3FN, who is a huge Raiders fan, too. Oh, yeah. Chandler Jones. Yeah. What has he done this season? Uh, I don't know. I can actually pull that up. Exactly. Though. Like, he has basically disappeared. Listen, all I know is Matthew Judon is leading the NFL in sacks. That's all you need to know. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders defensive. But that's the whole point. Like, the Raiders should be balanced on both sides of the ball, and they're not. But it all comes down to that offense and the fact that you get Jacksonville the entire second half. They, Jacksonville outscored the Raiders 17 to nothing in the second half. Let that sink in. Jacksonville. 17 unanswered points. My God. So for the season, he has uh, 17 total tackles. Uh, This is Chandler Jones, by the way. Uh, 17 total tackles, 11 solo tackles. Uh, Six of them are assisted. Uh, He's got a half a sack, which he got in uh, a couple weeks ago against Houston. Uh, and then the let's see fumbles. He's got nothing. Interceptions. He's got nothing. So I would say subpar season thus far. Subpar is pointed mildly, but that goes into the Raiders' season. This entire the, to sum it up, with all the potential in the world they have. It, I'm sorry, you got to make some moves. McDaniel's needs to go. So does Derek Carr. Send him home to New England. Uh, and then the last game we got to mention is the uh, Kansas City Chiefs beat the Tennessee Titans by the final score of twenty to seventeen. So, Mahomes doing Mahomes things. Mm-hmm. 446, well, one touchdown, one interception. God, have a, goddamn. Have a day. But Travis Kelsey, 10 for 106, no touchdowns. Goddamn. But the fact the Titans gave this game away, I mean, they had him on the ropes, eight points mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter, came back to haunt him. Derrick Henry with 115 and two. I mean, like, I'm sorry, the game should have been put, like, it should never gone to overtime. But yet again, Kansas City at home, overtime. Bad things happen. <laughs> there is a history. There is a history. There so is a history. Chiefs did Chiefs things, and now it's going to get interesting as they move forward in this season because with the Bills being banged up, I mean, the Chiefs could sneak in that number one position. They could. Can you imagine a Kansas City-Philly Super Bowl? Oh, my God. The world would not survive. No, I, I would see the only thing worse would be Buffalo-Philly. Oh, the East Coast would not survive. Yeah, the East Coast would be bad. The East Coast would not survive. Well, let's see. The Kansas City Chiefs is upcoming, just because I'm curious. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs is upcoming Sunday are playing Jacksonville. Oh, God. If I need one time for Jacksonville to win, it's now. Uh, the spread is, oh, Jesus Christ, Kansas City by 9.5. Oh, that could, that could go double digits by the, the week's end. The over-under is 50.5. Oh. oh, by the way, it's in Arrowhead. Don't forget about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, AccuWeather forecast is uh, partly sunny and 45. See, in case you're curious, I, I can't willingly take Kansas City at this moment because I need them to lose. I'd have to look at other matchups before I decide. That's just my anger level. But I, I, I consider it, but like I'm not putting a firm like yeah. I'm picking y- that. Yeah, I know. Like I, I got, I have to legit consider that, but I'm like I don't want to because I want to think the Bills have got a chance to keep that number one position because this has been an an odd odd week of football. A lot of quarterbacks that should have been playing better did not. We saw some flashes of greatness come from some unlikely sources, some upset wins here and there. 
but this was makes for why we talk about these games, folks. And that's why we want to talk to you about it some more. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about week nine of the NFL season? So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Saturday, 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 and parts of Sunday, it's Extra Life 7 live on twitch.tv slash gameballpod. 24 hours of thrills, chills, and video game skills as the Game Ball podcast streams all day and all night with all the proceeds going to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. It's Gamer Dad versus Gamer Dad as two titans square off for the paternal nerd supremacy. Two men enter. Only one will be named Ultimate Gamer Dad. 9 a.m. Eastern, Saturday, November 12th at twitch.tv slash gameballpod. Be there. Be there. Be there. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and it is UFC time yet again. Mm-hmm. I love it when these big cards are back to almost back. Mm-hmm. Because I know we go through these stretches where, like, where the UFC has a bunch in a row and then they kind of disappear for fight nights. And let's face it, the fight nights are good, but they're sometimes hit they're hit or miss. But the UFC has delivered back-to-back stack cards. Mm-hmm. And this weekend is no exception. In fact, I think we're bringing back a little tradition of a watch party to watch this card. Oh, yeah. Because there's so much going on. Pat, what is going on this weekend? So this weekend taking place at Madison Square Garden in New York City is UFC 281. Yes. Stacked card. Prelims even look solid. Dominic Reyes, Ryan Span. It's on the prelims. Yeah, that's on the prelims. Riddle and, and Makano are, is headline in it. So there is some very, very solid fights before you even get there. Uh, Molly McCann is fighting, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. So definitely it's going to be something worth watching the prelims for. But we are going to break down the main card because... Damn, it's loaded. Yeah, it is. Uh, so the first fight on the main card we're going to talk about is in the lightweight division between Dan Hooker and Claudio Puelas. So this is an interesting fight for Dan Hooker, who has came across some bad streak of luck, uh, has been a name in that lightweight division for, yeah. it feels like eons. Very solid fighter, very exciting one to watch. Puelas could definitely make some noise. This is a huge opportunity for him. Yeah. But... I don't know, man. I, I, I feel weird going against Dan Hooker. I really do. I think that striking-wise, I think Hooker's just very on point. It's just at this stage, I hate using the word journeyman mm-hmm. or gatekeeper. Yeah. But kind of in that division, he's fallen off in that realm. I mean, he is a journeyman. His first fight, uh, this being Dan Hooker, was for a federation. Uh, in uh, This took place in Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, was on the 7th of March, 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at his record uh, in 33 professional matches, he has a record of 21 wins, 12 losses. Uh, currently on a two-fight losing streak, he lost to Arnold Allen in his last fight. That was back in March, uh, who knocked him out. Yeah. Uh, and then lost the fight prior to that against Islam Machekev via Kimura submission. That was back in October of last year. Uh, did win uh, the fight prior to that. Uh, uh, Nasrat. Uh, Harquist, uh, apologies if I butchered that name, which I know I did. Uh, that was back in September of 2021. Well, losing Machev is nothing to sneeze about, too, but he is—he just hasn't looked right no. in, in, the, in a few there. And with Hooker, I mean, you just—you have to say at this stage, he's on the back end. I don't think yeah. he's going to get a title shot anytime no, soon. No. I do like him in this one, though. I got to admit, I think Pelez is going to definitely push him. 
and obviously play is 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 somebody that's definitely rising through the ranks. But yeah. I but I don't know if he's there yet. But I, I do think it's going to be an exciting fight, though. It's it's his second big test, I guess you could say, because looking at his record in fourteen professional matches, he has a record of twelve wins, two losses. Currently on a one, two, three, four, five fight win streak. Uh, his last fight. Beat Clay Guida via knee bar submission. That was back in April. Uh, prior to that, he beat a gentleman by the name of, oh my Lord, have mercy, this name. Uh, Chris uh, Gutzmaker. Uh, I know I butchered that, so apologies. Uh, he also beat him by knee bar submission. Uh, that was back in December of last year. So not a bit of a winning streak, and you could say second big uh, test in the UFC here. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing with Clay Guida, though. I, I will never root against Clay. Love Clay. Love Clay. Clay. Love Clay. But. You know, Guida is not the same Guida no, of old. So, no. you know, like, we have to keep that in perspective. But I'm going to say this. I do think that Hooker is definitely going to be a tougher challenge for him. I do think that he wins via strikes. I will say third round stoppage. I'm, yeah, I could say it. But I, but if there's an upset, I think it could happen early. So this might be one if you're trying to take a flyer on to. Peleas is a plus 135. Hooker is a minus 155. So pretty close on how they're picking this, but I definitely think I'm going to go with the favorite on this one. I'm going to say it's going to be a decision, whether it's unanimous or split, whatever it is. It's, I think it's going to go the distance. Uh, next up is in the bantamweight division oh. between Frankie Edgar and Chris Gutierrez. And if I'm not mistaken, this is Frankie's last fight. This is Frankie's last fight for the UFC. So uh, he is going to go out and I'm guessing he is going to lay it all in the cage for this one. Frankie Edgar is a legend in this sport. Mm-hmm. For somebody who is as blue collar as it comes from Tom's River, New Jersey, he has worked his way up the ranks. He pulled off a miraculous upset of BJ Penn way back when, Pat. I know you got the stats up there. Uh, yeah, so he beat BJ Penn for the UFC Lightweight Championship at UFC 112. Uh, that was on April the 10th, 2010. Yeah. And since that point, had one of the Wilder Trilogy fights against Gray Maynard, mm-hmm. which, I mean, the one thing about Frankie is Frankie will come running at you, all gears going forward. And he will definitely lose the first round. Mm-hmm. Is this something that Frankie does? I love Frankie, though. He is just somebody that will go out there, and when you talk about fighters that scrap, he is a fighter that scraps like nobody else. And I always have been a fan of him watching. And he's definitely gone through the different ranks. Yeah. To, like I say, he's not somebody that's just stayed in one weight class. He's definitely gone into, I mean, I'm going to say, what, at least three? Probably. At this stage. Like it's, Probably. It's one of those situations that he's done for featherweight, and obviously this was at a time that he was supposed to go fight Jose Aldo when Jose Aldo was like the untouchable one. Right. And obviously that one didn't go, but even though he, he did go, go to the decision. Uh, yeah, he's been in three divisions. He's been in the bantamweight, featherweight, and lightweight divisions. Yeah, so when you have that going on like i say it's kind of crazy to see just his track record but he's fought like a who's who of this he's fought charles oliveira bj penn i think we touched on uriah faber jose aldo and now i mean he's been working his way through other divisions too and especially like him against max holloway too like i say it's charles a, oliveira cub swanson chad mendez yeah you know jeremy stevens yaya rodriguez yeah you, you brian ortega like you talk about like the names of the, the the fighters like if you get past frankie that's a feather in your cap mm-hmm. i mean but it's not going to be an easy day but i mean obviously father time has caught up with him yeah he has not looked that crisp in a lot of fights that he's been having over the past few few years here and this is now a division that he's gone to bantamweight, which is more of like a, a natural weight for him. 
and it just it hasn't been working out for him. But this is the last one on contract, and I think in this situation, Frankie at home, it, it's tough to go against. I think he wins via decision. I can't root against him under any circumstance. I You can say I'm biased. You can say whatever. But Frankie is somebody, the minute you hear kicking the door, get played over the speakers, the crowd is going to explode. Yeah, so looking at the, the records, you've got uh, Frankie in 35 professional matches, has a record of 24 wins, 10 losses, 1 draw. Uh, currently on a two-fight losing streak, uh, he got knocked out by Marlon Vera. That was at UFC 268 in November of last year. Uh, and Corey Sandhagen beat him with a flying knee knockout. That was in February of last year. Uh, his last win was against Pedro Munoz via split decision. That was in August of 2020. Uh, fun fact, his very first professional fight was on July the 10th of 2004. Five, uh, and then his opponent Chris Gutierrez uh, in 24 professional matches has a record of 18 wins, four losses, two loss or two draws. Uh, currently on a three-fight win streak, uh, beating uh, his last opponent with a spinning back fist and elbows knockout. Uh, then prior to that, winning by split decision and unanimous decision. His last loss was actually against, uh, it was back in November of 2018. Uh, he did have a draw, one of his two draws back in August of 2020, though. I'm going to say this. I Listen, I got no disrespect for Frankie Edgar. He's had some amazing fights over the years. But we, I think it's time. He is currently, as we record, scrolling back up, he is 41 years old. He just turned 41 last month. I think it's going to be a, a split decision win for his opponent, Chris Gutierrez, uh, in, the, in the end. Uh, I just think, listen, Frankie just doesn't have it anymore. You know, he, his last win was a split decision win. You know, his last unanimous decision win was against Cub Swanson in April 21st of 2018. So that's his last win where he had unanimously, like, you won the fight. No other bullshit, no other, like, hey, coulda, shoulda, mm-hmm. coulda, shoulda, woulda. You know, so you know after that you had the unanimous decision loss to Max Holloway, knocked out by Chen Sung Jung, Korean Zombie. You know, split decision against Pedro Munoz, and then the back-to-back knockouts. Listen, it, it it's time. You know, it, it comes for every fighter. It comes for every athlete. Eventually, you hit that point where you just can't do it anymore, and you just don't have it. And I think this is it for Frankie. Oh, I think so too. I mean, he, win lose draw, he's done. Like yeah. I say, but I just think this one last shot. He's a plus 175. Uh, all these uh, odds are coming from UFC.com, by the way. Uh, Gutierrez is a minus 205. I just think nostalgia is going to kick in. Like I said, once you hear Biggie get played over the loudspeaker, that place is going to explode. He's going to run to the ring. He's going to be going in there. He's going to leave it all in the cage. Like He's going to lose round one pretty badly. Like That's just that's how he fights, though, because mm-hmm. he, he takes chances. I just think that this is going to be a situation he's going to sneak out of a decision win, leave the gloves in the octagon, wave goodbye to the crowd. It's going to be like the heartwarming moment of the year for UFC and and call it a day. But it's going to be an exciting fight nevertheless. Like I say, every fight on this card is looking exciting. However, though, the one we're going to talk about next, I don't think you can get a more exciting fight. And one thing you can be guaranteed, violence. Oh, yeah. So this next fight is in the lightweight division between Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, mm-hmm. protect protect yourselves at all costs. Hide, folks. You, hide your kids. This is going to be straight up violence. And Dustin Poirier, who is always a top ranked contender, no matter mm-hmm. where he goes, you know mm-hmm. he's going to go in there. I know he doesn't have a lot of fights left per se in him, but... We talk about his track record, and Pat, I know you got that record up right now. Uh, Dustin Poirier in 36 professional matches has a record of 28 wins, 7 losses, 1 no contest. 
Uh, currently on a one-fight losing streak, he lost to Charles Oliveira via rear naked choke submission. That was back in December of last year. Uh, prior to that, he was on a three-fight winning streak with back-to-back wins against the one, the only Conor McGregor in back-to-back TKOs. Listen, I know one of them's a doctor stoppage, but that's a TKO. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then prior to that was a unanimous decision win against Dan Hooker. Uh, his One of his only other losses before he was on a stretch before that was to Habib Nurmagomedov, which, listen, losing to Habib ain't nothing to really cry about. Facts. Uh, and then you look at Michael Chandler, who in 30 professional matches has a record of 23 wins, 7 losses, currently on a one-fight winning streak, beating Togi Fer- Tony Ferguson with a uh, front kick knockout. That was back in May of this year. This one's just gonna be violent as fuck. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, there's no, there's no way to say it otherwise. And I am here for this. Somebody's gonna be bleeding. It's gonna be a mess to watch. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I don't think this goes past the second round. To be honest with you, I. This is just gonna be one that is gonna be rock'em sock'em robots. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, I'm looking at the breakdown of their wins. Uh, Poirier has 14 by knockout, seven by submission, seven by decision. So I mean, if, if okay. Could be a decision, but we're just looking submission. Uh, Poirier has not had a submission win since he beat Anthony Pettis with a body triangle submission, but that was on November 11th of 2017. Uh, And then for his opponent, Michael Chandler, uh, he has 11 of his 23 wins, 11 are by knockout, 7 are by submission, 5 are by decision. Uh, Of the fights that he won that aren't decision or uh, knockout, his last submission win was uh, for Bellator at Bellator 197 against Brandon Geertz, uh, who he had an arm triangle choke submission. That was on April 13th of 2018. These guys don't like to submit very often. No, they're going to swing. Like, if you if you watch one UFC fight this year, this is the one you want to watch. Because I doubt, let me say this, I'm not going to say I'm guaranteeing this, but I strongly doubt any submission attempts, any takedowns for the most part, I think they're going to stand in there and bang. And I think that it's whoever's got the weaker chin. And I am going to go out on a record here, a limb here, and say I think Chandler takes this one. I could see it. Because just, just the only thing with Poirier, Poirier has not shown any sign of that chin fading. Mm-hmm. Chandler's can be a little suspect, but I think you take a look at how old Poirier is, and we talk about tread on the tires. Uh, currently 33 years old. He'll turn 34 here in the middle part of January. Uh, looking at his record, his first fight was, uh, for his first professional fight, uh, was on May 16th of 2009. Yeah. And you now think... Bear, now, bear in mind, that's professional fight. We're not talking amateur stuff. Right. There's a lot of tread on that tires. So, it's not to say he's going to get knocked out early. I don't think anybody's going to get knocked out early. I think you're going to see him throw some really crazy punches. I'm just going to say I think Chandler's going to pull off an upset here. He's a plus 150 to Poirier's minus 175. I just have a feeling he's going to do it. But mm-hmm. I'm but I'm just rooting for a great fight in this one. I think we're locked and loaded on this. I think it's going to be Chandler, too. I think he still feels he has something to prove, you know, for all the hype and, and whatnot that he came in with, you know, for his UFC debut, and then he lost two in a row. You know, he's obviously got the one fight win streak, but I think he still wants to prove, hey, I am that guy. You know, I ain't lost it. You know, I am on the backside. I still got it. You know, and I think it'll be an upset win, too. Yeah, I think it's going to be an upset win, but it's going to be an amazing fight. I can't wait to watch this one. Uh, and then in the co-main event of the evening, this is for the Women's Strawweight Championship. We've got Carla Esparza defending her belt against Zhang Whaley. 
So, well, this one's kind of interesting because if I'm not mistaken, Pat, and I know you're checking records, this is Carla's first title defense after being Thug Rose. Uh, yes. So she won the Women's Strawweight Championship against Thug Rose Namajunas, which was also uh, Carla's last fight. So we got to remember this in context. And this is taking nothing away from Esparza as a fighter. I want to stress this. But remember, this is the one Thug Rose did not engage with her. Mm-hmm. This was a very bad fight. And this is the one that, you know. It was a split. I'm seeing now it was a split decision win. It was a split decision. And obviously, you know, I know the, there was a lot of stuff going on with uh, Carla outside of this. She was getting yeah. married the following yeah. The yeah. weekend or whatever yeah. the case was. So I'm just saying this. And now there's no anything in the way here. Carla can show off what she has as a champion. But I am not putting anything against Zhang Wheelie. If I'm going to put anything, this is my lock of the week and new is coming. Mm-hmm. I don't, there's very few people I think that can stand with Zhang. And Carla is not one of them, in my yeah. opinion. This is going to be Zhang all day. Uh, looking at the records, uh, Carla in 25 professional matches has a record of 19 wins, six losses, currently on a one, two, three, four, five, six fight win streak. Uh, won her last fight against Thug Rose, like we mentioned, by split decision. Uh, her last loss, well, loss is, uh, came back on September 8th, 2018, and July, June 9th of 2018. Uh, one was to Tatiana Suarez via TKO, punches and elbows. Uh, and the other one was to Claudia Gadela, who uh, she lost to via split decision. Uh, over on the flip side, Zhang Weili in 25 professional matches has a record of 22 wins three losses currently on a one fight win streak beating joanna drajic with a spinning back fist knockout that was back in june of uh, this year uh prior to that she had back-to-back losses to thug rose uh the most uh the most recent one was via split decision and then the other one was via a, a head kick knockout yeah Rose landed one of the cleanest shots I've ever seen in an MMA fight. And then prior to that, her only other loss was, well, her first professional fight, which was a unanimous decision loss. That was in November of 2013. Yeah, I think just Zhang is going to just go out of her way to end this early. I don't. I think Esparza would want to get this to be a grappling match. Yeah. I just don't think she's going to want to do this. I no. Think, I think Zhang's just got too much power. I think this is going to end very quickly. Not going to say first round, but I will say second round. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say third round, but yeah, I'm going to give it to Zhang. She's motivated as all hell to get this. Yeah, this is going to be, this is, I would say, this is my lock of the, I don't know what the odds are. They don't have them listed for the fight, but I'm going to say pff, pencils Zhang in for Enu. Uh, and then the main event of the evening is for the UFC middleweight championship where we've got Israel Adesanya uh, defending his belt against Alex Pereira. So, Pad, do you know the story behind Pereira? No, I do not. Well, there is something I don't know if they'll have listed for Adesanya in his record. Okay. But they fought before in the land of kickboxing. Uh, it does have his professional kickboxing uh, record. Yep, there it is. Uh, they fought on uh, the f- – oh, God, dates – uh, March the 4th of 2017 in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, this was at Glory of Heroes 7, uh, where uh, Alex Pereira knocked out the one, the only Israel Adesanya via a left hook knockout at 42 seconds of the third round. Yes. So Pereira has now decided to come to the land of MMA. I don't know if he's beat him twice in kickboxing. Mm-hmm. He has arguably Adesanya's number. Arguably. In kickboxing. In kickboxing. So we I want to make sure we're emphasizing that portion here. So Pereira has been on fire since he came in. He's flown up the ranks of the UFC. He's the number four ranked contender. Uh, plus 140 on the Vegas line right now. Israel Adesanya, though, has been <laughs> the king of the middleweights for quite some time. 
He is this generation's Anderson Silva. Pretty much. They fight very similarly. They have just a unique style to them. Adesanya, when motivated, is one of the scariest fighters on the planet. The only time I don't think he's been motivated is when he decided to go up to 205 and challenge Blahovitz for the mm-hmm. light, light heavyweight title because yeah. he didn't even try putting on weight and he just got laid on for, you know, what, 25 minutes? Pretty much. So that being said, like, I'm throwing that fight out the window. At his natural weight, Adesanya is downright one of the pound-for-pound people on the planet. I think this one, he's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder. I think all he's been hearing about, and we've seen this happen in the past, too, where the UFC has had to go out and find fighters with either like a past knockout mm-hmm. of a, you know, of a they've dominant got, they've champion. Got a history. Or they go to a different organization and go get one of their champions in to come and, and fight. Like we we used to see this all the time with GSP. Like they were going to get uh, Hector Lombard from Bellator. Oh, okay. Finally got him in. And then I know when Connor got knocked out way back when they got uh, the gentleman's name escapes me too. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, the guy never panned out in the UFC. This is a situation where Pereira has been dominating, working his way up. Could he win this fight? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Any given Saturday night. Yes. But do I think he's going to win this? Hell no. Absolutely not. Hell no. Listen, it's one thing when you make the transition from kickboxing to MMA is it's a wholly it's a totally different beast. You do have a puncher's chance or a kicker's chance. No question about that. But Adesanya is fighting at a different level. This is his playing field. This is his backyard. He knows what to do inside an octagon. It's a different ball game. Like, I know you're going to say, well, it's striking. Yeah, striking is there, but there's also different elements. I'm not doubting Adesanya goes for some takedowns, that he tries implementing some wrestling to throw him off. Because we really haven't seen Pereira tested like this. Yeah, no, we haven't. No, so that said, I think this is going to go to possibly a decision. I'm going to say a unanimous decision because I think Adesanya is going to be a smart champion. Stick and move. This is not going to be a super exciting fight per se, but I think that he's going to do enough as a champion to win this fight. I think it's going to end up being Adesanya because, yes, Pereira has beaten you know Adesanya twice in kickboxing. That is true, but this ain't kickboxing. This is a whole different ball game. This is a whole different, you know, uh, arena, mm-hmm. you know. But also the thing I want to point out, too, is I've got both of their records here, you know, and, and the records are what they are. You know, uh, Adesanya 23-1, and one, Pereira 6-1. and one. The, the thing that I think is important to note here is that Adesanya, yes, he did do kickboxing. He did kickboxing from uh, professional kickboxing uh, from 2010 uh, through 2017. His last professional kickboxing event, he, he had a record of 75 wins, 5 losses. His last professional kickboxing fight was on was the one we mentioned against Pereira in 2017. Pereira, on the other hand, has been fighting consistently. And when I say fighting consistently, I mean fighting at least once a year. The anomaly being 2020, although honestly nothing was going on in 2020 for the sure. world of sports. Yeah. But uh, Pereira has been fighting uh, kickbox, doing kickboxing since 2012. Uh, he's even got fights listed from 2021, you know, so obviously he hasn't done any this year, but he's still doing it. So Adesanya hit a point where either he was done with it, he wanted to move on and focus exclusively on MMA, but Adesanya's focus is on MMA. Uh, Pereira, 
he's still bouncing back and forth, it looks like, between the two. Because, I mean, I'm looking at the dates of his fights. He made his professional debut in, in MMA uh, on October 24th, 2015. His next fight was, uh, this was for a federation called Jungle Fight. Uh, his next fight was uh, in a Jungle Fight event uh, on January 23rd, 2016. Then it was Jungle Fight uh, 87 on March, May 21st, 2016. His next MMA event wasn't for another four years, well, four and a half years, on November 20th of 2020. His focus is back and forth between the two. I think Adesanya's been honing his craft, and he's been working on his stuff, and he's clearly shown he's one of, if not the best fighters the UFC has today. You know, does Pereira have a chance? Sure. But this ain't the same Adesanya you beat, you know, all those years ago in kickboxing. This ain't kickboxing. This is a whole different animal. Mm, I agree. I think this is going to be Adesanya all day. I'm going to say a unanimous decision. Okay. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm going to say the same thing. So we'll lean that way. But still, a stacked card for UFC 281. Mm-hmm. Cannot wait to talk to everybody about this. I know Mike from the Multiverse of Badness is going to have a lot to say about this as well. So you definitely want to hit him up, ask him for his picks on this, and definitely hit us up and ask us, a little more in-depth conversation. We'll be live-tweeting during this. I know that. I don't think we're going to go back to 607 Podcasts on Twitch. I, I don't think for this one. We usually try doing the live reactions. I don't think there's any talk of that, and you know what? I'm kind of okay with that, too. Yeah. Because, you know what? I could see us really exploding during the whole Poirier-Chandler fight. Probably. That could get completely out of control. Probably. But in the meantime, though, hit us up on that hashtag regardless. Hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about UFC 281? What fight are you most excited to see? What do you think about Frankie Edgar's legacy? This is his last one in the UFC. How is he going to go out? Let's talk about this. What about Asanya and Perea? There's so many headlines going on with this card. We can definitely talk about it, so let's do it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Calling all movie buffs, cinema lovers, and film fanatics. Welcome to the Silver Screen Savers Podcast. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Matt Sturdivant. And I'm Tyler Sukas. And we're a show for movie fans by movie fans. Every week, you can catch us discussing the world of cinema, including dissection of films both new and old, our takes on what's to come, career retrospectives of the most prolific names in the business, and much, much more. Listen in via your favorite podcasting apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and more. You can also join the discussion and leave suggestions for future content by writing to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com, following us at screensaverspod on both Instagram and Twitter, as well as liking us on Facebook at Silver Screen Savers Podcast. We'll see you at the cinema. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, Pad. Mm-hmm. We have to discuss a premium live event mm-hmm. that surprised the hell out of everybody. Mm-hmm. This past week from the World Wrestling Federation, it's time to talk a little pro wrestling. And we are going to talk a little bit about WWE Crown Jewel. Yeah. So, Pat, let's talk about this. Yeah, so this took place uh, from Saudi Arabia this past uh, Saturday. Uh, and it was a, a premium live event. Paper, sorry, it's still a pay-per-view. you got to pay to get in there. Yeah, uh, but the first match you had on the card was between Brock Lesnar defeating Bobby Lashley in six minutes and one second. Yeah, but- and you know what? This is what it needed to be. Yeah, not but, long, not drug out, you know, hard-hitting, and hey, we got out of there. Because this, this has been a fight that pro wrestling fans have been waiting for a while. Obviously, Brock Lesnar uh, is a larger-than-life human being to begin with mm-hmm. and has had a decorated MMA career. 
and almost in parallel to him is Bobby Lashley, who's had a very successful MMA career, has mm-hmm. not really been to the heights of the UFCs. Mm-hmm. He's, he's fought in some other promotions, but he's a very well-known pro wrestler. Yes. And they have been teasing this fight for many years. And when you're going... Since he came back. since Yeah, since uh, Lesnar has come back and, and, and Lashley, Lashley too, came back, to the yeah. WWE. Like, this has been a fight fans have been waiting to see for many years. We did get a little tease of this previously, but this was a full-on fight between both of them and obviously going over to the saudi arabia house show which it always is yeah that's what we've always talked about it it, it's a premium live event it has never felt like that before but this it was a situation that definitely they kicked it off the right way and with lesnar winning this sets up for some more uh to be happening at survivor series which I love that they're going to kind of continue this a mm-hmm. little bit. So it's 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 smart too because when Lashley decides to take out Les or you know Lesnar at the end of this, yeah, you know it does what it does. Mm-hmm. So I'm all here for it. I thought it ended great. Yeah. Obviously, continuing the storyline. So. Excited to see this at War Games. <laughs> Next up. Uh, was for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships, where you had Alexa Bliss and Asuka defending their belts against Dakota Kai and Io Sky of Damage Control. Uh, and you had Kai and Sky uh, emerge victorious, pinning the uh, champs in 12 minutes and 51 seconds to become your and new uh, WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Very solid match. Happy Damage Control won. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not a fan when wrestlers are kind of thrown together as a tag team and yep. then you think they're going to go on a big title run unless they're going to stick around and be tag team wrestlers together. Uh-huh. They were already teasing a little bit too with Alexa Bliss who obviously has had a pass with Bray Wyatt yep. during an interview segment. We did see that the Wyatt six symbol as they're calling the it moth or whatever came on the screen and obviously saying, okay, well we might be going back to yep. Bray and Alexa at some yep. point or, or some kind of variation with that. So like the minute you kind of see this, you're like, all right, we know this is not going to be long term, mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. And obviously, with Oscar too, I think they're teasing some stuff going on with her breaking away to go solo a little bit as well. So, seeing Damage Control, who's been a very solid tag team, get the belts back, yeah. they can definitely. It, it, it makes more sense to me. I mean, the match is good. You know, obviously, you've got uh, Dakota Kai and Eos guy who've you know worked together, you know, against each other, together with each other back during their time at NXT. Uh, and then you've got Alexa Bliss and Asuka, who are two fantastic wrestlers of this generation, you know, on the main roster. So while it is, you know, a tag team that is thrown together, both tag teams, you know, it's the case with every tag team and the women's tag team in WWE. They don't have any natural tag teams. <laughs> they, got, they got rid of them all. Yeah. You know, so it, it works and it's and it's fine and it's good matchups. But ultimately, at the end of the day. You know Asuka's not going to be in a tag team for the rest of her career. You know Alexa Bliss isn't going to be in a tag team for the rest of their career. Hell, even with Dakota Kai and Io Sky, you know they're bound for bigger pastures in WWE than just the women's tag team champs. Yeah. So it's an interesting to see what they're going to wind up doing. Obviously, with Wall Games looming, they want to give Damage Control a lot of the belts and a little more incentive for that match. So definitely happy with the win, though, nevertheless. Uh, next up was in a steel cage match. Uh, Drew McIntyre defeating Karrion Cross in 13 minutes. Solid match overall. Yeah. This kind of cools off their feud for now, maybe? Might, might put it on the back burner for a little bit. We'll see. Well, obviously, the the whole idea behind this feud was to make Karrion Cross a main eventer. And to f- make everyone forget about his first run. Exactly, from WWE. Because, obviously, when he came up from NXT, Vince <laughs> took a lot of uh, creative freedom, if you will. Vince watched which, a bootleg version of his highlights. Yeah. And uh, definitely went in a lot of different directions. So Karrion Cross did not connect on the main roster. Vince took some creative uh, liberties. Yeah, to put it mildly. Yeah. 
So when they brought him back, it's perfect dance partner with Drew McIntyre, who just came out of a feud with Roman Reigns, mm-hmm. needed something, and this yep. is some, this feud doesn't hurt anybody. In no. fact, they can definitely run it back a little more if they want to. I don't know if they will, but that's one thing that we'll just have to wait to see this Friday how they want to play this out. I think for me, this is kind of like you know the Randy Orton Sheamus of of this generation. I guess you could say. Are they going to fight fourteen hundred times between now and the Fourth of July? No. Is this a matchup where hey we need a you know we need something to fill some time or to or to plug and play for these guys for a couple of months before we get them to their next storyline or their next program? Hey, perfect. Mm-hmm. You know it's a plug and play. They've got great chemistry together. They put on you know to borrow the term from Sheamus, banger matches between the two of each other. It's 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 just one of those things. That like, is it often done for the rest of time? No, but could they come back to it? Absolutely. Yeah, this definitely sets some, some seeds for later. But I think for right now, obviously, hard hitting match and definitely yeah. did what it needed to do. So I'm I'm cool with this. Yeah. Uh, next up was the six person tag match between the OC, that being AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows, taking on Judgment Day uh, with Damian Priest, Dominic Mysterio, and Finn Balor. Uh, and you had Judgment Day emerge victorious, winning in 14 minutes. Now, Pad, I know that you don't get a chance to come on 607TWS, uh-huh. but I want your opinion on record for this. Okay. Thoughts on Dominic Mysterio? As a wrestler, not great. As a chicken shit heel, getting better. Not leaps and bounds, but, you know, he, he's, he's improving, I think, as a, chicken, as a chicken shit heel on the mic, he's improving. I'm not saying, like, leaps and bounds, but, like, increments. As a wrestler, he doesn't really do anything for me. I I'm not a fan of his. I think that he really is not ready for the primetime lights in any stretch of the imagination. Sure. My, this is just my opinion. Sure. I think he just needs a lot of work and I don't and I don't know if necessarily he should still be on TV. Like I I'm sorry, like there was a lot of stuff in this match that he did not do well. No. And this is my critique. I think that he needs Maybe to just go do NXT till further notice, to put it mildly. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if you can do it there. Like he just he doesn't look the part. Like he just looks very out of place. And yeah. I, and I understand like he's trying to do the heel thing, but there's no charisma coming out of him. No, there's there's a lot of work to put it there. Like I mean, if you want to hear the full rant, six hundred seven TWS. I, I'm sure. not, I'm not gonna get into it. I mean, but, I mean, so for just to interrupt for a sec, quick. For me, he falls into one of three categories, and I'll and I'll use the Royal Rumble as an example. Mm-hmm. You know, the Royal Rumble, I you know, I, there are guys I get excited for. You know, like the Finn Balor, the Roman Reigns, the Seth Rollinses. You know, and then there's guys that like their their music hits. You know, like a Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley would be would be one. Kevin Owens would be another one. You know, Ciampa, Gargano, where I'd be like, oh, oh, okay, this could be interesting. And then there are guys entrances who hits, and I go, okay, you know. Dominic Mysterio, at first I'd be like, oh, okay, who's it going to be? Because much like the New Day, you have to wait and see who's coming out before we figure out which one it is. And then as soon as I see it's Dominic Mysterio, right now I go, okay. Yeah, I'm just sorry. Like, I think he took a a lot away from this match. I mean, this is the big return of Gallows and Anderson with AJ Styles, the Mm -hmm. club or the Bullet Club, which I know got mentioned on air. Yeah, it did. Which, until we see some shirts, it's a nice nod to the internet. I mean, um, listen, they're letting uh, Shinsuke Nakamura go to the, what is it, wrestling Noah Noah show. They might have a handshake agreement with the powers that be to use the term. I think it would be smart. I think it would be tremendously smart. Uh Uh-huh. But... Not my place to say. Can you imagine, though, fucking somebody from Bullet Club showing up on, like, the Rumble? Well, if they actually do wall games and put them in there, uh, I think that that would be phenomenal, uh, pun intended. 
because obviously if you pair AJ Styles with Gallows and Anderson, it would be amazing if it was Jay White. I know that's no chance of happening. I'm just gonna. Can you imagine though? Just you know, and I'm fantasy booking. Royal Rumble time. You've got you know AJ and then pick whichever of the other two OC members are in the or hell have them both in the in the ring at the, for the Rumble, mm-hmm. and then you you know three two one and and it's Jay White but with old school Bullet Club music. I mean, I'd mark. I, 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 I I'd do. I'd be, mark it was Jay White. Period. Like yeah, but no, I, I'm with you on that, Pat, because I think they they need to do something with this because. Judgment Day just isn't getting the job done. No. The only, they're good, but they're it's, it's okay. Well, here's the thing. Finn Balor is great. Damian Priest yeah. is great. Yeah. Them together is just kind of lost in the shovel because it was a Vince idea. Mm-hmm. Rhea Ripley is the MVP of this group. Yeah. And obviously she came into play here getting them the big win. But other than that, like. They they need belts. You know, they they need belts to really start solidifying their dominance as a tag team. They're dominant in that they kick the shit out of people, Mm -hmm. but I think they need belts to really start solidifying just how great of a faction they are. And unfortunately all of the belts they could potentially hold are tied up between three people, Yeah, you know, or two, depending on how you want to look at it between the Usos and Roman. And then the only other belt they could theoretically go for is the U S title, which is currently held by Rollins. Yeah. So, I mean, like I say, judgment day is kind of stuck in this place of flux, but uh, you know, Obviously, there were some events that happened on Monday night, which we can get yeah. into now. Yeah, the, they apparently have a equalizer for Rhea Ripley and yeah, one. Yeah, uh, they they solved in their words. They solved their Rhea Ripley problem, or she solved it for them. And that is who, Pat? Mia Yim. Yes, ret- boy, boy, that were that rumor solidified quickly. Yeah, it did, and obviously, Fuck. huge addition to the women's roster yet again. Mia Yim is always amazing. And obviously, it was rumored that she was coming back and like year. Saturday, it was like Sunday. Yeah, it was rumored, and now she is back. And I think there's some big things. I think seeing her with the club is a, yeah. is a good move. And then if you're going to really do wall games properly, that's the time to do it. Shout out to whoever decided to really swerve the crowd when she came through the crowd and then attacked Rhea Ripley on Monday Night Raw, wearing a hood, blue hair sticking through, really swerving the crowd, thinking it's a certain Sasha Banks. Yep. But no, it's it's me again. But hey, freaking awesome! Yeah, super excited to see what she's going to do there on the main roster yeah. with, with the OC. Uh, like I say, I'm just hoping if they do wall games, they actually come out in real Bullet Club gear. If you're going to make the line, I think it was just a shout out to the internet fans. Could be, but that was it. But so, say Triple H to me doesn't seem as uptight about that as Vince was. No, he's not. He's definitely he acknowledges the IWC. So love it or hate it, that's what it happens here. Yeah. And obviously the match was okay, but yeah. um, Dominic Mysterio not a fan. Uh, next up was a singles matchup between Braun Strowman and Omos, and you had Braun emerge victorious, pinning Omos in 7 minutes and 19 seconds. Almost his best match in the main roster. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Uh, it was what it was. Yeah. Nothing really right home about it. I thought it was okay. Um, Braun is a plug-and-play guy, so yep. you can definitely kind of throw him in there when you yep. need to, and this is a good win to set up something down the road maybe. Uh, almost lost the matchup, but I will say if you haven't seen the video, almost won the weekend uh, because after this was over, almost hopped a flight over to Nigeria. And if you haven't seen the video, TMZ Sports has got the video on their website. Uh, almost saw his family for the first time in like 13 or 14 years. Oh, that's awesome. So almost lost the matchup, won the weekend. Good for him. Because that's a fantastic friggin' video if you haven't seen it. Definitely give it a check. No, I definitely, definitely haven't seen that, but that's awesome. Uh, next up was a matchup for the uh, WWE Undisputed Tag Team Championships where you had the Usos and Jimmy and Jay defending their belt against the Brawling Brutes and Butch and Rich Holland. Uh, and you had the Usos emerge victorious, pinning the Brawling Brutes in 10 minutes and 48 seconds. No surprise about the win. No. But... 
I love the Brawling Brutes. I think they're yeah. they're a solid tag team. Like if Pete Dunn's going to stay there, I'm cool with this. I'm all right. I'm all right with Pete Dunn staying there, but bring back Pete Dunn. Yeah, I want Pete Dunn back. Oliver Butch. Don't get me wrong, but the Butch, you know, the running around, he's crazy. He's unpredictable. You don't know what he's going to do. It's funny, but like I miss I miss the guy who like could snatch your arm out of midair and then like start to twist your fingers and be like, oh shit, you're gonna he's gonna quote unquote break the finger. I miss I miss that Pete Dunn. Yeah. But solid match overall. I mean, it's the yeah. Usos. What are you going to say? It's the yeah. Usos. Uh, and interestingly, though, this upcoming Friday, they've got an important matchup. Oh. It's against the New Day. Oh, if, that's right. If they beat the New Day, they will beat the New Day's record for the longest reigning tag team championship in WWE history. Or or however that, that statistic works. It, whatever record the New Day set for longest reigning uh, tag team championship. Yeah. the new, if If the Usos beat the New Day on Friday... They will surpass that record. That's a big. That's a big, big goal. Which is wild because I didn't know we were getting anywhere near that record. Yeah, no. Which I, mean, I didn't. Th- which I. I'll be honest. I know I said at the time the record got broken. I'm like, yeah, we won't see that one broken. Maybe ever. No. Well, I mean, the thing is, bloodline is big money. That's so, true. So they're the keep them champions as long as the dollar signs are coming in. Like I got no problem with and that. They, and they hype the shit out of it. If you haven't seen the promos uh, you had between the New Day and Usos on Monday Night Raw, check out that video. God damn. Yeah. Uh, in your co-main event of the evening, you had Bianca Belair defending her belt against Bailey in a last woman standing match for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. Uh, and you had Bianca Belair emerge victorious, pinning Bailey in, uh, well, pinning, she, you know, she beat her in 20 minutes and 27 seconds. Arguably best women's match of the year. Yeah, that's it. Arguably. In the, it's in that conversation. It's definitely in there. These two put on a hell of performance. Uh, Bianca Belair, man, what can you say about her? That she's phenomenal. Bailey definitely brought her A game for this one, and this is perfect storytelling one on one. So, if you haven't seen this match for whatever reason, go all go out of your way to watch this. This is an absolutely classic. Mm-hmm. And I, anytime they put them in the ring together, I mean they're just, they're always on point together. I mean that's the one thing they have great chemistry in the ring. So this could be a new fight forever for me. Like oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not mad about this. Uh, and then your main event of the evening was between Roman Reigns and Logan Paul. Uh, Roman defending the WWE Undisputed uh, Universal Championship, uh, where you had Roman emerge victorious, pinning Logan in 24 minutes and 49 seconds. Acknowledge him. Uh-huh. No, I mean, acknowledge Logan Paul. I never thought we would live in a day and age where that guy would be a bona fide main eventer on WWE television. It's insane. Three matches in, he's got it. He's... He is literally setting the bar. I mm-hmm. it's crazy to say. I know people are like, "What are you talking about?" He's he he understands it. He understands it. He he's got everything going for him. He's got the look. He's got the charisma. Yeah. He's got the move set. I mean, in fact, the big takeaway from this match, he did tear his ACL, ACL MCL, MCL, and meniscus. meniscus. Yeah mid-match and kept going through which the video is circulating around to when he did that watch that at your own discretion yeah yeah no it's, it's a tough watch hey. for that. but the fact he got on the top rope and this is how smart he is and then, like i said we don't give a lot of credit because either love logan paul or you hate him yes and his brother yeah yeah like they're polarizing people it yeah. is what it is what it is yeah but i will give him this he got on the top rope he knows that he's a youtube social media influencer mm-hmm. whip that phone out yeah Got the selfie ready. Yep. And then did a jump from the top rope to Roman Reigns on top of the announce table. Yep. And it is a viral smash and it's ingenious. And I'm not going to lie, for, you know, 
I'm surprised Austin Theory didn't do it first. Yeah. Because that was his whole thing when he first debuted on the main roster was taking selfies with the guys he just kicked the shit out of. Well, you think about it now. He can't do that gimmick. That's true. Logan just – and I'm going to just tie this into Monday Night Raw quickly too because Austin Theory cashed in Money in the Bank and lost in yep. the U.S. title match yep. to Seth Rollins. And yep. I know some people on the internet were losing their mind about this. I was confused more than anything. I'm going to tell you right now because of what Logan Paul did at the Saudi Arabia show, mm-hmm. you're going to have a repackaged Austin Theory. Could be. Because how do you top? The selfie mm-hmm. when Logan Paul literally just made the most epic selfie in all of wrestling. You're gonna have to repackage his Titantron too, because that's that's if you don't pay attention to it, that's Theory's whole Titantron is rather than having some logo associated with his character or just a simple title card with his name, mm-hmm. it's all the selfie pictures he the legit selfie pictures he took of after he kicked the shit out of his opponents. Yeah. And it's, it, but you have to think about it. How are you going to top that? You can't. Logan Paul just did it in one move. In one move, he he got more views than anything Austin yeah. Theory has ever done. And like, listen, yeah. I'm not hating on Austin Theory. I think like, he has got a bright future in this business. Mm-hmm. But I'm already going to tell you this: he was a product of Vince McMahon before Vince bowed out. Yeah. There's a new sheriff in town, and now it's not to say, oh well, he's going to get buried. No, not he even. Was, he was in NXT under Triple H. He'll be fine. He was part of the way. But he's going to get a whole new gimmick. He might go back with Johnny Gargano. I could see them reforming the way on the main roster. I'd be, listen, I'm all for that. I could definitely see that happening. And it'd be smart business. And him losing the, tight, the money in the bank that frees him up to do this, he's going to get dejected. He lost. He can't do the selfie gimmick anymore. It leads right back to, he goes up to Johnny Gargano. He's like, I screwed up. I want to get back on the way. Mm-hmm. Boom. Writes itself. So it all stems from this match, and this match was great with Logan Paul. Yeah. Like I say, it, it's a shame this happens, but this is something we t- we talk about a lot of times with pro wrestling. You're only as good as your last moment. Well, if somebody does it better, you can't say it's yours. Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing, but it, it's true, though. No, it is. And you see about what Logan Paul did, jumping over the top rope with that torn meniscus, mm-hmm. clean. And still hits the Usos on the outside of the ring. Yeah. It was perfect storytelling how he gets back in. Roman sets him up, gets him with the spear and silver. Like, they played it off well. Near falls galore. Logan Paul definitely made himself a star. Absolutely. Jake Paul uh, needs some pro wrestling work if that's the avenue he's going in, which I hear that the online rumors will suggest that that is going to be something. See, I thought they would maybe, because him showing up, you know, his brother's been doing this run in WWE off and on. You know, Jake hasn't been there for any of it. Jake's been maybe in the crowd, maybe in a, in a sweet box for something. But in terms of being on camera, I don't think he's ever been there. He's shown up on a couple of pre-shows. Okay. Oh. Um, but in terms of, like, actually participating, he hasn't been involved in it. So I thought, oh, with with because he uh, Jake started attacking the Usos. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there going, ooh, okay, they're going to set up for Usos versus the Pauls. Belts or no belts, I don't care. That could be awesome to watch. And then the whole ACL, MCL, and meniscus thing came out, and I'm like, well, that puts a delay on those plans. Well, I think I, you could still do it. I think you could still do it, but I think you, there's a couple different ways you can go with this now. With Logan Paul being out for a while, mm-hmm. you could have Jake wanting to challenge Roman for revenge. Sure. But Roman's going to look at him and go, You ain't done nothing. You're nothing. You have to go through Solo Sokoa first. Sure. And then you can do something there if, sure. if you want. Just, but Because hear me out. 
I think all signs point to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn being the team to dethrone the Usos. I'm, I'm for it. At WrestleMania. like God, That pop's going to be insane. Oh, absolutely. Hollywood or anywhere else. Because I think by that time, I mean, granted, Sami Zayn and the Bloodline is the most overthinking pro wrestling right now, and you can't tell me otherwise. Yeah, yeah. But I think that they'll set it up perfectly that after Royal Rumble, there'll be some some seeds you know, shifting towards so Sammy's dis- Sam, disfavor. You're, you're right, though. Sammy is the most over thing in pro wrestling because you had the fans in attendance at the quote-unquote press conference mm-hmm. for Crown Jewel chanting Sammy's name when uh, anyone who knows behind the scenes knows full well Sammy will never show up at that show. Yeah. Uh, and you even had the fans chanting Sammy's name last night at uh, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton show for Monday Night Raw, and uh, Sammy was not there for, well, who knows why. No, just Sammy didn't need to be there because, I mean, it was SmackDown. He usually stays on the SmackDown shows. But, but you go right to the point. Like, he's the most over right now. Like, they're not going to do anything to jeopardize that at all. No, absolutely not. So you have to think that when they do decide to do that, they'll make the biggest amount of money they can. And it's going to be a win. But it just goes to show that WWE can actually pull this off with Logan Paul being a main eventer when he's ready to come back. Hell, I'm not doubting him coming and winning money in the bank possibly Whenever they have that, if it's at WrestleMania, and he's not cleared. Then that's, no. that's, that's the rumor is the money in the bank's going to move back to a WrestleMania uh, match. Do one on each night. That makes sense. Yeah. But I think whenever they want to do something like that, don't doubt this kid coming in there and winning. He just definitely earned a lot of respect from people, especially working through a tear like that. He could easily have said, I can't do this and wrapped it up. And you know what? Kudos to him for doing it. But overall, Crown Jewel, solid card. Yeah. Definitely worth the time watching. So if you haven't got a chance to check it out, go check it out on the Peacock Network for the replay. And in the meantime, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about WWE Crown Jewel and the fallout on Monday night? We talked about Mia Yim. Mm -hmm. We talked about Austin Theory losing the uh, Money in the Bank uh, shot. Yeah, uh, also of note, one of the two, uh, what, what match? War Games. Uh, Matchups are set. You're going to have uh, damage control with... Nikki uh, Nikki Cross, uh, going, former twenty four seven champion. Former twenty four, yeah, I, I think that belt's officially done in the done in the water. If Good, you if you haven't seen that clip, um, much to the chagrin of Dana Brooke. Uh, but you're gonna have damage control with Nikki Cross uh, going up against uh, Bianca Belair, uh, Asuka, and Alexa Bliss uh, for one of the two War Games matches. War Games, uh huh. So that's that's getting slowly set. Yeah, a lot of exciting stuff happening with WWE. So definitely hit us up on the hashtag. Let's talk about it. And if you're looking for more pro wrestling content, make sure to check out the latest edition of 607 TWS, the wrestling show on your favorite podcatcher. And blogs count anywhere found on odphpodcast.com. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna go Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, first of which is obviously the local minute. Looking at the Binghamton Black Bears from this past week of action. Uh, they had two games, both on uh, one on Friday, one on Saturday, both on the road uh, playing the Elmira Mammoth. Uh, the game on Friday, they won by the final score of 6-3, to three, and then they came back Saturday and won again by the final score of 4-2. to two. 
looking ahead to this upcoming weekend, uh, they've got two games, both of them at home, playing the Motor City Rockers. Uh, the first game is at 7 o'clock Eastern on Saturday, uh, and the game uh, on Saturday also at 7 o'clock Eastern. Like I said, both games taking place here in Binghamton. Uh, so for more tickets, information, and all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. Uh, switching over to some college football news, uh, we got the, the latest rankings for the college football playoff and. Boys, there's some shakeups and some interesting folks getting into the dance, I guess you could say, with the college football playoffs. Obviously, you had Tennessee falling out after they lost to uh, Georgia over the weekend, so it was going to be interesting to see who jumped where. Uh, your, record, your rankings as of uh, this recording. Uh, number one, you've got Georgia, uh, the Bulldogs. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, the Michigan Wolverines. And number four, the TCU really Uh uh-huh so that jumped out at me like oh hey that's interesting uh so definitely something to check out obviously it's a lot of weeks until we get to the college football playoffs so there'll be some more moving and shaking as the weeks go on yes uh and then looking over at the uh major league baseball obviously the season is over uh to dusty baker and trey mancini i say congratulations to you uh to the rest of the houston asterisks fuck you uh, enough said. I've made my opinions on them known quite well for some years. Uh, but now we are into the portion of the offseason where, you know, the hot stove ain't started, free agency ain't started, although, God, people are trying to start false rumors. Uh, and I'm not talking Aaron Judge. I saw some person try and claim Jacob, Jacob DeGrom was going to the San Francisco Giants, which I'm like, wait, shit ain't even started yet. Yeah. Uh, but we are into award season, and some of the finalists for some of the awards got announced. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'm going to go through the manager of the year, uh, Cy Young, and then MVP. Uh, for manager of the year in the American League, you've got Terry Francona from the Cleveland Guardians, Brandon Hyde from the Baltimore Orioles, and Scott Cervais of the Seattle Mariners. Uh, listen, all three of those guys, I would say, very well deserving. You know, Terry Francona guided Cleveland to the postseason. You know, had a decent record. Ball, uh, Baltimore, hell of a season for those folks in, in Seattle, making the playoffs for the first year in 20 years. Uh, very well deserving. I take some issue, though, with the National League Manager of the Year candidates, though. Uh, so for National League Manager of the Year candidates, uh, finalists, you have Dave Roberts of the uh, L.A. Dodgers, Buck Showalter of the uh, New York Mets, and then Brian Snitker of the uh, Atlanta Braves. Where's Rob Thompson? Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, Rob Thompson, interim manager, although now I think he's going to be full-time manager if he's not already, uh, for the uh, Philadelphia Phillies, where they were like... God, no, almost double digit, you know, back in the in the division, you know, no chance in hell of making the division. And then they made it to the fucking World Series. Now, granted, these awards and finalists and the winners are ultimately voted on before the end of the season. So maybe that factored into it somehow. But I, I take exception with uh, Rob Thompson not making it in there as a finalist for the uh, manager of the year. I got issue with that. Yeah, I definitely got a little problem with that, too. I mean, but the, you know, those baseball awards are always kind of weird. though. Yeah. Uh, and then for Cy Young Award uh, in the National League, you have Sandy Alcantara of the uh, Miami Marlins, Max Fried of the Atlanta Braves, and Julio Rijas of the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, and then in the American League, you have Dylan uh, Case of the White Sox, Alex Manoa of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, and then Justin Verlander of the Houston Astros. It's probably going to end up being Justin Verlander. You know, he had Tommy John surgery, came back and led the Major League Baseball in ERA with a 175. Eight, he led the American League 18 wins, 185 strikeouts, bringing his total career total to 3,198. Uh, he's got the most among active pitchers. It's, I'd like it to be Manoa because Manoa had a hell of a season, but it's it's probably going to end up being Verlander. Let's be real. Yeah, I have a sinking suspicion it's going to yeah. be him too. Uh, and then from MVP in the National League, you've got Paul Goldschmidt of the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Nolan Arenado of the St. Louis 
Louis Cardinals, and then Manny Machado of the San Diego Padres. Uh, listen, I'm no mm. I'm no mathematician, but statistically, I think it might end up going to the Cardinals. <laughs> They've got two thirds of the, the finalists. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure. I'm not sure who I'd give it to that one. That's interesting, though. I can't remember the last time you had teammates as MVP finalists. It's been a while. Been a while. I, I know it's been a while. You know what, though? I don't doubt Machado getting it just because. Could be. Just because. Sometimes it, it it feels to me anyway that uh-huh. if you go far in the postseason, yeah. that stands out more for like for whatever reason. Well, if that, yeah, that does, you know, we'll see. Uh, and then in the American League uh, for MVP, you've got Jordan Alvarez uh, of the uh, Houston Astros, Shohei Otani of the LA Angels, and then Aaron Judge of the Yankees. Listen, I'm going to say this. I realize we are Yankees fans, so it is you know you might consider some bias, and you would be right. If Shohei Otani gets this in any way, shape, or goddamn form, I'm going to fucking throw something. Yeah, there's Be- no way he should. Because, listen, Shohei Otani is a historic player. We have not seen the likes of him since Babe Ruth, and he's putting up numbers Babe Ruth himself didn't do. Does he deserve recognition and accolades? Yes, absolutely. But Aaron Judge did something no American leaguer has done in 60-some-odd goddamn years. And in in, in no steroids. He did it clean. Mm. Aaron Judge is the goddamn MVP. He's when you look at just the term most valuable player, the Yankees would not have had a shot in hell of making the postseason without Aaron Judge. Where where did the Angels get in the postseason? Oh right, they didn't make they it. They didn't make it. Have they have they ever made it on in the postseason under uh Shohei Otani or hell, Mike Trout? I'll, mm, I'll give you the answer. No, no. No, they've never made the postseason with Mike Trout. The Yankees would not have done shit without Aaron Judge. He is literally the most valuable player on that team and in and in the American League. I'll give you that, Pat, and I'm not arguing that's that one bit. Mm-hmm. So he definitely deserves it. All right, so for my bases, I got two this week. One, to follow up what we were talking about last week, the Brooklyn Nets did the right thing, suspended Kyrie Irving at least five games without pay. Keyword being at least, so that means it could be more. It could definitely be more. So, obviously, with the bullshit that he's been doing lately, they finally put their foot down and did something about it. Should have done it sooner, but hey, better late than never. Absolutely. So, stay tuned for that. I mean, there's there's a lot of different reports coming out um, about what he has to do to come back to the team. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to just kind of wait and see when and if that happens. But mm-hmm. I will say at least applaud Brooklyn for finally getting their stuff together and doing the right thing. Yeah. Because there's no place for that kind of bullshit nope and i don't give a fuck out how he's trying to spin it mm-hmm. there's no place for it the fact that it took you know him getting suspended to even say anything uh, that wasn't like dodging around it or doing you know the texas two-step you know speaks volumes about how he feels about the entire situation yeah and and, and if you can and if you agree with him or support him fuck you exactly we we can't get down with that here so if that's your case uh stop listening to this podcast because we don't want to deal with you that's how we're going to close out with some AEW news. Obviously, they're setting up for full gear. That's going to be coming in two weeks. Uh, we're actually going to do a little special episode with our guy, Sean, from Metalcore Nerds. Going to do the official full gear preview on the ODPH network. So super excited to talk to him about this. And there is a lot of stuff going on. I mean, MJF is coming back. Uh, just announced today he's uh, part of a movie coming out. There. Interesting. So definitely going to have a little more news about that tomorrow. On Tony, the Khan has, Tony Khan is asking price for his next uh, contract just went up. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be a very exciting show to watch on Dynamite. I hope it's a lot better than last week. So I'm going to be honest. I, I know people from Jacksonville listen. Uh, I'm just going to say be better than last week because last week was a train wreck. 
Uh, Brian Danielson versus Sammy Guevara is supposed to be the main event going on that. Best two out of three falls. Moxley is going to be there. They're going to be starting their tournament. Uh, winner gets a title shot. They do this every year. It leads up to uh, Winter is Coming. They're oh, yeah. Not their pay-per-view, but they're like mid. Their, their TV special. Their TV special going on. Uh, Eddie Kingston versus Ethan Page is uh, going to be featured on this uh, week. So a lot of good stuff happening on AEW. So like I said, just be better than last week. That's my only goal. And if you want a more in-depth detail reason why, we don't do too much of the wrestling talk here because we save it for 607 TWS. So you definitely want to make sure you're checking that out and you can get the full comparison. But trust me, if you hit up Pad, you hit up me, we'll talk anything sports with you. Amongst, Absolutely. Uh, amongst a whole parlay of topics because that's what we do here on the ODPH. Keep it short and sweet. For anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Happy early birthday to Padawan J2, so make sure you holler at him on Twitter and all the socials about it when it drops this week. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Gotta beat to the punch. Gotta beat to the punch. Cause they can't bring me.